the Koi Gig Pod. Tune in and support us, please. We need every little bit of support. Um, we might be outnumbered here in Australia, but we can definitely feel the love from back home. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. And it is Friday morning. You're very welcome along to OTBAM, the sports breakfast show from off the ball. I love this music at the start of the show. Gets you in the mood. Ashing O'Reilly is alongside me this morning. Good morning, Ash. Good morning, Shane. Here with things. And good morning, Colum slash Colum Buhig. Good morning, Colum. Good morning. Yeah, it was this time last week, wasn't it, that the Column vs. Column debate occurred. Right. And we just were, uh, the three of us there were listening to a nice review from a fan of the show. So we, did we decide that you draw a line from Dublin to Galway and everyone north of that says... Column and everyone says that's his column, or is it more nuanced? I think there's a bit. I think there's a bit of nuance. Like Nathan now is definitely column, and it's I know that. And way. John Dunkett this morning in our own uh, office, yeah, column. But is that for you now at see, this point? I, I, you see, I say it to you because yeah, it's for you. you. you know. But his um, parents are Claire, isn't it? Aren't, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's a dub. He is a dub. Yeah. Anyway, so that was nice. There you but go. But now would be columns, you know, and a few others like that. But anyway, we were listening to a review of the. Column versus column yeah. debate from, from a friend a, of the show. Friend of the show, who uh, what did he say? Those Nordies, I think they own the place. They rule the roost. Let's say who it is. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know. a well-known fan of the well, show. It was, it was said tongue in cheek. Yeah, very joking. It was, yeah, it yeah. was, it was, it was. And I'm, I suppose, a Nordie who doesn't take that. And I'm not, I'm not from the north, but exactly. The north. Yeah, I wouldn't call you a Nordie, you know. But um, column was excellent. Mm. And he went viral. <laughs> his column again. This is actually his column. Yeah. Oh, column. He enjoyed it, yeah. I yeah. don't know if he'll ever do it again, but he enjoyed it. 80,000 views. 80,000 views. Took it to like Dr. Water, very calm and composed <laughs> analysis, deep knowledge of football. I told you that, Dar- great, like, lads from down are calm. Very calm, very yeah. Calm, yeah. calm. Dara Smith-Nachton was telling us that too, wasn't he? Just Nordies are down calm. Lads. Is that true, is it? <laughs> A very uh, laid-back, easy-going demeanour, I think. Why is that? I don't actually know. I'm sure there's some mad ones from down as well, but like, Answers on the YouTube postcard there. Yeah. Why are down people so relaxed? Do you know that music there um, that played us in? Yeah. yeah. It obviously reminds you of everyone of the, the Padded as well. The Padded. The Padded. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have you seen the film? The, the movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course I have, yes. Matt Damon, Leonardo yeah, 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 yeah. Have you no, seen it? No, I don't think so. Oh, are you going to see it? Are you planning to? Because it's, well, anyway, just, like, I think <laughs> oh, the spoilers. Anyway, look, I think it's fair enough to do spoilers because it's like 2006. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I hadn't seen the movie and it's flicking by one day years and years ago. I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And the very, very first scene that I saw when I flicked by was literally the second where Leonardo DiCaprio got his head blown off. Oh, God, and I was yeah. like, oh, my God, they killed off Leonardo DiCaprio and it's not the yeah. Titanic. That's massive. Like, it's, quite a, it's quite a scene. Is that's, where, that's genuinely shocking. Is this where the lift opens? Yeah. Yeah, and there's still about a third of the movie to go. I don't know what's going on here, but you've ruined that film for me, haven't no, I you? Haven't. I haven't. <laughs> honestly, I haven't. Yeah. Honestly, doesn't make it, it won't ruin it for you, but um, no difference. That was my first experience with the departed. Uh, the first comment on the YouTube this morning, and keep them coming, Owen O'Connor. Uh, where's Shane from? Uh, no doubt, tongue in cheek, Owen, because uh, I don't talk about it often enough on the show. I'm not even going to dignify that question with a response uh, because you already know. Um, I was watching the Ireland Australia match yesterday yeah. in. Uh, Joe Quaid's house in Limerick. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, himself and his son had the, the telly on, uh, albeit the, the TV out of sync to the actual action. Uh, but it turned out that was a problem for everyone. It wasn't just me. It, there, there's nothing worse, is there, to watch a fucking match like that? It was infuriating. Because yeah. we had our own, our own additional problem. Virgin Media customers, before the game started, 
the RT2 channel was gone blank basically oh. so every single other channel had a picture except RT mm. and I was like laughing incredulously being like this, this can't actually be happening and I turned it off turned it on again plugged it in plugged it out yeah. went on Twitter turned out it was happening to loads of people Virgin sorted it out within five minutes so I thought great game started now and then that happened for the first half now I have to say I don't know about you or yourself I had a little bit of sympathy for what was going on behind the scenes because can you imagine oh, yeah. what they were trying because you know and I, like all Twitter was like sorry that Arty you're a joke yeah. another taxpayers money unbelievable and I was totally like, can you imagine Marty. can you imagine what's happening behind the scenes right yeah, now like yeah. people are running all over the place and they sorted out uh, at half time and then even in the analysis at half time they were like apologising profusely for yeah. the interrupt like they couldn't do anything else really they put two in graphics up on screen apologising for yeah. it yeah. but like obviously it should have been sorted beforehand like it was so it was so infuriating like it was about five to nine seconds of a delay at one point mm. now Paul Howard made the point on Twitter that if you're working it was actually quite handy because the commentary was ahead so you could put your head up whenever there was a chance <laughs> with yeah. the rise of the well, that's actually, yeah. but I think anyone else who was just watching it as an Irish fan it was infuriating Yeah, people were like turn, just turn the commentary off until it resolves itself and like there was like articles written about it and it was just everywhere on Twitter yeah. I find it, it's kind of the opposite of, uh, I remember watching the match in, in the press box in Old Trafford before. It was United, it was the 5-0 fi- the Liverpool at Old Trafford uh, when Solskjaer was in charge and you're sitting in the, you've got your, your small TV camera in front of you and it's playing like five seconds after. Yeah. So obviously you can, so something happens and then you can look down and actually see what happens. So it, you're not waiting as long as a instant replay takes. But you're getting the, the 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 game basically five seconds delayed, so it's perfect for reporters and journalists who maybe want to look down and catch something. Croke Park doesn't have anything. Does yeah, we've TV, yeah, we've TVs in front of us, so they sh- they show the replays, and yeah, that's what I yeah. think they might see on the big screen. It's handy, yeah, 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 big time because I think often when you're at home, you can almost see more sometimes, know. you know, especially the close-ups as well. But no, for me yesterday with the commentary, like I was watching it in the Woolshed Van Grail in Cork, so. Mm. It was a there was a massive crowd. It was a massive TV, like a, a big, like flat screen TV, and there so many people there. So it didn't actually bother us as much because it was almost hard at times yeah. to fully hear that. <laughs> yeah. And there was so much cheering and everything else, so it drowned it out almost. So yeah. when I was online and everyone was going mad, I was like, "Okay, this is actually it is." There's I noticed thing. a few times, yeah. but it was so loud there that it was hard at times. Well, one of the top performers for Ireland yesterday was Denise O'Sullivan, and you were with. Her family watched yeah. the match yesterday. That's, that, that, that's a way to watch a World Cup match. Yeah, it was brilliant because literally any time she popped up on the screen, the whole place just erupts. <laughs> and it was mad. I was like, imagine having like a brother or sister in the World Cup. Oh. Like, it's incredible. I don't know if I'd be able to watch. Yeah. I'd be able to watch, but like very, very tensely. Well, we had Luke Connolly on the show yesterday morning before right. Megan played. Yeah, and he saw said that. He finds it so difficult to watch any of Megan's games throughout the years. Mm. And this is, you know, Cork senior footballer who himself had a bit of status and played in front yeah. of thousands. But he said, like, this is worse than anything else he's experienced. And uh, I was chatting to him after the match as well mm. and being like, geez, I thought that free kick was in at the end. And he was and he said to me, so did she, oh. you know, like and it, and it flicked it the top was, of the wall, didn't it? Yeah. And it went out, yeah. For, it went out for a corner, yeah. hit the top of the net, like, but um, she did amazingly well to get it up and under yeah. so quickly. Like, cause it's about it's like 20 yards. Yeah. Mm. Two yards outside the box. Um, but Lucy Quinn won the free, um, and they like the subs were excellent. Really good, made a big really, difference. Really, really good. But uh, That's not always been the case. No, and I mean, look, the big thing is like, where was Amber Barrett? I, why did Lucy Quinn go up front? Any striker sitting watching that match must have been thinking to themselves, yeah. like, okay, you're bringing you're bringing Louise Quinn up before you're opting for the for yeah. me. Now I was listening to the analysis afterwards. Um, 
So Karen Duggan said on RT, she questioned that, like that yeah. she said, putting Louise Quinn up front is no longer a tactic, like that shouldn't be used. And in the World Cup show yesterday with Richie, Kathleen and Gav Cooney run, and Kathleen kind of had the same opinion that we really should be moving beyond that now mm. at this point. Whereas Gav said, well, it is a tactic because they did switch to a 4-3-3 system. Yeah. But it just uh, seemed unusual because you can still have Quinn as a threat at set pieces. In the box, Because yeah. from the 70th minute onwards, Ireland got a number of corners. So that's yeah. still an additional option. So why not bring on a player yeah. in Amber Barrett who scored six or seven goals from the bench and who was incredibly motivated to prove a point and justify her selection in the squad. So it did seem like an unusual selection. Yeah, I feel like Vera has her... Not, I'm not going to use the word favourites, but she has her ideas and she sticks with them. Like even Leanne Kiernan, such a good footballer, but has not been a part of her plans and won't be. Yeah, I think and that's then a big part. Amber Barrett, Amber Barrett seems to be the same. Yes, she came on, uh, come on against Scotland and scored that goal, but apart from that, she hasn't really been someone who Vera has leaned upon or wanted to use. Yeah, She's obviously the fi- and one it's of the strange faces because of the team she did it in the warm games as well, like you know against Zambia. She scored so twice, like unbelievable. And she's doing it time and time again, so she's backing it up. And when you need a goal coming down the stretch, mm. it is very strange. The cameras panning to the bench yesterday, like in the last ten fifteen minutes, and the players are all on their feet and gesturing and involved. And Amber Barrett is front and center of that, like. And she's like, ba- like, she's like, sort of like hitting her hands off her legs, and she's jumping like as in like, come on, like, me in, coach. Yeah. Put me in. And at one point, George Hamilton intimated that she was coming on yeah, and it was 77th minute or something like that um, but it will be interesting now in fairness like after the Scotland goal last year at Hamden mm. like, there was a goal drought after that and the Zambia friendly did actually solidify her place in the squad if she hadn't come on and scored those two goals there would have been a question mark whether she was selected at all yeah. which is hard to believe now because she is I think was it Gav again Gav Cooney said she's like the Wes Houlihan of women's Irish football like she's just revered now as this yeah. kind of almost mythical figure but in terms of team selection and like you say Vera Powell is like fairly inflexible in what she wants to do uh, which is also a massive strength as well at times and like Ireland looked very solid defensively Australia yeah. offered very little threat mm. uh, like the late exclusion of Sam Kerr didn't help like, but Fowler and uh, Ford didn't do an awful lot up front because Quinn and Fahey were excellent but I suppose the big question mark now is Abby Larkin does she start against Canada next Wednesday because she was really good when she came on Marissa Shiva was I suppose slightly ineffective besides conceding the penalty Yeah. whereas um, Sinead Farrelly Sinead Farrelly was yeah. good she's a controlled player um, I do wonder like if Abby Larkin had such an impact off the bench I do wonder if you yeah they might keep her there Vera will love that love yeah. that Abby came on and was able to do what she done and no I, I, I couldn't see her starting mm. I think she's too effective coming off the bench but Marissa Shiva she looked quite nervous like even coming out of the tunnel there was like a massive deep red and like which you can only expect of yeah. course but it just looked like her touch was a little bit off and yeah, what we saw maybe of her driving forward in the in the France game, it, yeah. it wasn't really there as much. But I agree with uh, Farley. She she definitely she played well. She linked yeah. up well with Heather Payne. Um, she did a lot of the hard work. But a lot of the time can get unnoticed at times. But I think that yeah. she really did get on the ball and yeah, she set up play going forward. So I, yeah, I, I do think she she'll definitely warrant starting again. Like Farley hasn't played much football, but I think to get the best out of her, you do play her for an hour rather than bringing on for half an hour. Yeah, because she is she can control a game. Like yeah, like that's different. Now, I was um, I was noticing like so Gary for Australia had the most. I think she won the most turnovers. Like she won the most possession eleven times. But the next two people and into the entire match was both McCabe and O'Sullivan. So they are two best players who are still probably playing too deep. Yeah. Like I thought O'Sullivan had a decent game 
I thought she gave the ball away a fair bit because she was probably trying too hard but you could see her moments of class like Evelyn definitely her, yeah. t- her touches are like a cut above but there was times where she kind of ran into traffic mm. but you can't help but think like it's probably too much to go for Izzy Atkinson left wing back she's too inexperienced but if you can find a way to get McCabe further yeah. up the pitch yeah. now I know like she can still do a fierce amount of damage at left wing back not like she hasn't done it at club or art at club level or for the country, but you just can't help but think like get your best player further up the pitch or and take a risk on Atkinson. But I think it's almost a moot point because Vera Powell's not going to do that. No, no, she wants his lone striker like Kira Cruz. So it's tough job, really, really tough oh, job. Donkey work, and you're, like. yeah, and you're yeah. waiting for the moment of magic. Mm. There was a ball that Katie put in in the first half. And it was almost like Scotland, Amber Barrett. Yeah. She just needed to get a foot on it to get a bit of space yeah. and get away. But it didn't come off for her. But it's such a tough role to play. And I think Vera's just set in that defensive system. Completely. But it is very tough to get goals that way. Thankless task. We should mention as well the Canadians and Nigeria drew nil nil overnight, which is a really good result you'd expect for us. And there was a, a penalty, Christine Sinclair's penalty uh, for Canada saved in the 50th minute. A really good save actually as well. So... Uh, very good defence oh my god what a player yeah unbelievable like, unbelievable um, 40 years of age it's incredible her 6th World Cup yeah like it's just madness <laughs> love can, it we can control her now next Wednesday yeah. um, how about the chance after 20 minutes when McKay plays it through to Carusa yeah that one yeah 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 and Carusa just doesn't read the ball for it. it's over the top after 20 minutes and mm. she's true one on one if she gets her touch right but it didn't like she didn't attack the ball and then after that uh, O'Sullivan had a kind of a cross volley which I think she even nearly got on the end of so there was glimpses you know yes. glimpses but it was really the last 20 minutes where Ireland came alive a bit and the frustration is like why can't they start like that but the counterpoint oh. to that is if you start like that and go gung-ho and Australia go one up early then you're yeah. in serious trouble like. you're in bother yeah, so I understand the tactic of playing it say for like two thirds of the match and then risking the fact that it'll be either a draw or you're narrowly losing which was the latter and then go for it from there yeah but like, look, the McCabe chance is big at the end with the, she controlling her left foot and I can't remember the Australian player but someone covered brilliantly, I think mm. it was deep-lying midfielder when McCabe was about to unleash her left foot and if she did, you'd imagine yeah. that was nine times out of ten going to be a goal. Yeah. But she had to put it back onto her right and she toe-poked and the keeper parried. But right after that, there was a, a moment which is such an Ireland World Cup goal where McCabe crosses in and Louise Quinn is up there glancing header <laughs> far yeah. post that's your reading in the years George Hamilton won all slow-mo yeah. slow-mo yeah. bouncing in oh. and that just went wide I know and you always back Louise in them situations big time just to even hit the target should yeah. you be happy with a, a narrow defeat against a really good opposition no. No. no not when you feel like you could have got a draw felt like a draw was a fair result any defeat it doesn't and matter it came from move. a penalty yeah, okay. I, I feel like it's just especially in a tournament like yeah. we needed to make a goal there I feel the positivity is justified but you can't help but think like Oh, it's totally justified. Yeah, sorry, but yeah, it's yeah, negative. Because uh, we, I think Ireland really did warrant a draw. Yeah, you know, like really did. Like, like the if you look at the stats as well, they had very similar number of shots. Mm. Australia shaded like shots overall and shots on target just. Yeah, and they were much better with completed passes. Like our passing wasn't great at times, but other than that, if you had never seen either side play before or didn't know anything about them or the status of both yeah. sides you would think That's it's a pretty true. even game like, yeah, yeah. Pretty uh, even which is great to see and they'll take so much confidence from that now oh, big like, time the brilliant Canada that game result is so went, big now yeah like, and the result last night that, that went our way so 
Absolutely. Like, it, they'll take a hell of a lot from it and be able to push on. But yeah, there is positivity <laughs> from it. And I think we need to keep positive about it. You know, the girls are playing in their, their first ever World Cup. Yeah. You could see when they walked out and Aaron Naveen playing, it was spine tingling oh, oh stuff. Oh my God, in the class. tunnel beforehand. Yeah. When uh, Courtney Brasden broke a smile, couldn't help it. <laughs> and, and Megan Connolly behind her, they just like, yeah. you know that kind of smile where you just can't believe how amazing I'll be lurking. the situation you're in. She was beaming on <laughs> yeah. the bench and the camera pan to her and she like realised she was on the TV and she smiled and like said I think it was Louise Quinn was next to her and she just was like her Lucy Quinn was next to her and she was just like we're on the oh, TV we're on the someone's TV. pointed out Frankenstein Forland has been in touch uh, great to hear from you as always uh, did you notice little John Caruso and Shiva belting out our own event yesterday good on them a squad of role models and proud ambassadors for our nation Rusha Nishanin I think he's trying to come up with the Irish for little John Um yeah, that's great to see. Obviously, Irish wouldn't have been a language they'd maybe learned in school, I presume. So, yeah, to be better yeah. out our own vein, like Same the rest. Same with Farley, uh, Marissa Shiva. Amazing. Yeah, yeah Amazing. it's a big thing. Same with the Irish rugby team, Bundy Aki did the same. You pointed this out, Colin. We've got on the front page of The Guardian, no less, of all across the water, we've got uh, a group of young Irish fans in despair after a missed chance, I think, uh, watching in Dublin at one of the watch parties yesterday out in the open air. It's well, an I interesting mean, choice. They're all taken. And interest in us. From the editor of The Guardian. The yeah. front page of the newspaper. Yeah. Obviously, you have Buzz Aldrin advertising watches on the back. I want to pick Buzz out of a lineup now, I have to Very say. landing anniversary, Omega. Yeah, there you go. Free advertisement for them. Uh, but yeah, unreal. Yeah. Great to see that. Ah, class. Uh, on your garment, who Emma here is pointing out in the live doc, was. Um, belting out the anthem and smiling at the same time mm. but like you could just tell it going through and like you could see the tears welling up in Katie McCabe's eyes and it's just like it's very emotional for I got whole so country. emotional ah, yeah, I how, never how thought would I would I knew I, it means a lot and the whole lot but people used to sort of ask him before will you cry and all this I'm like yeah. cry no I don't think so honestly I was fighting back tears yeah it's amazing just felt like such a pivotal moment like to see the girls walk out 75 odd thousand people like there's moments I thought this would never ever happen yeah, yeah. like Growing up, I didn't know anything about it—a women's 100%. Irish football team. You wouldn't have even thought of it. No, yeah. like uh, which is is, is it, that's on all of us, but uh, especially on all the people that that put the women's football in the back burner and and uh, put it behind the men's men's game and and like look at what's look at where they're at now. Like it's yeah. unbelievable. Liberty Hall was only twenty seventeen, you know, and, and yeah. to have yeah. that moment yesterday was just incredible. Yeah. And I think also because like we're working honest you know and so you're always planning what's the next thing what's Ooh. the next thing so you're almost like stumbling into the national anthems and then you just take a step back and realise like this is to be enjoyed Here as we well are. as prepared yeah. for it you know it's like this is incredible the comments are flying in on this uh, so uh, we'll get to a few of those Christopher Henry says first time listening to OTBAM this week rarely miss even when on holidays but worth the absence this week officially a viable member of a guest appearance on Dadcast now Chris congratulations Barry McGuigan South Derry man I'm fairly sure Chris uh, congrats to yourself in the other half on the new arrival uh, loads of comments on the match as well um, Carl Daly pointed out we need Australia to win all their games and we need a point off Canada which will leave it a shootout for a spot against Nigeria mm-hmm. that would be yeah it's, it's, it's actually teed up nicely yeah, so if we lose to Canada time. are we are we, do, 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 are we gone depends on the other game yeah, yeah. just depend on other games okay, yeah. so we'll, we'll keep, a, keep an eye on that and one. there's loads of time for people to jump on this bandwagon like if oh. you missed the game yesterday for whatever reason and you didn't really make a fuss about it or yeah. you didn't put any green on or hang out a flag or anything like that absolutely there's time oh. you know Wednesday is the next game I'd absolutely urge everybody to, to get on board And 1 o'clock Irish time next Wednesday yeah Canada. if you have Isn't a young person in your life for that just you know let them know what's happening I, I, I saw an overheard in Dublin what my buddy sent it on to me right there was a guy yesterday went to the pub to watch the Australia game 11am and he had like the suit on and a lanyard from work and he goes uh, 
give us a Heineken there but put it into a zero zero glass <laughs> <laughs> I'd say there was a few people doing that alright yeah. 100% yeah yeah brilliant <laughs> yeah I heard that a lot around the bar in Cork is it too early it's never too early oh, nah, not too early <laughs> but this lad was fucking hiding it from his boss like yeah. <laughs> <The boss is laughs> see time is a construct of human perception not least when when World Cups come around when World Cups come around time does not matter because it could be it could be in South Korea and Japan it could be in Australia New Zealand and we just don't care what time if it was if last night's match was, if the game was at 3 in the morning we all would have got up and watched uh, without a shadow of a doubt Greg Caffrey says Quinn's header at the end free header with great effort yeah it was, you know, there was there was an awful lot of pace in the cross from McCabe it was a bit looped uh, speaking of crosses from McCabe her corners were wicked yeah like mm. The, like directly onto Arnold and goal, who I think got a few soft frees to be honest I think mm. two of the first four corners she got frees out Big time. and Connolly's corners on the other side on the right hand side were good I like that tactic that they didn't just have McCabe on both sides because out swinging would have been no good for us on the left hand side the other thing as well is like I talk about I wish McCabe was further up the pitch can't help but think Connolly in midfield would be also yeah. helpful because she's a baller uh, but yeah, look she's, she's also very good at the back yeah. I, like, and the back three are tight yeah. like Kira Caruso I was listening to chatting to Kathleen I think after the match and she was asking her what was said at half time and Vera was just like this game will be decided by one moment one, no, one that, mistake that, one moment oh, that's so, I've seen so, Vera saying that in her so interesting yeah. that she brought that up right? it was one because moment. I noted that line uh, when she spoke to Tony Donovan afterwards on yeah. RT and I think uh, Kathleen was talking to Lucy Quinn and I think Caruso after the match yeah. too I think we yeah. have that on, the, on, on our podcast I think Caruso also said she that said because that, I think yeah. Kathleen asked um, Kyra Kyrie, what was said at half time so that was mentioned again I thought that was very interesting why would you say that I th- that, because that, that would keep a player on their toes the entire duration I of the half think, I, pers- I don't think it's a great thing to say right no? because if you say this game is going to be decided on one moment i.e. don't make a mistake you have to be able to make mistakes yeah, well, that's one thing also the, the penalty was scored after 52 minutes so 8 minutes into the second half Right. I wouldn't have been thinking of it in, in a negative light. No, 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 well, that's thinking, that one moment then. Yeah, but if she's saying this game is going to be decided at one moment, then when you're attacking, you're like, this this is it. This I is think us. this game can be won in one moment, yes. But the wording was, maybe that, yeah. a mistake is going to decide yeah, this I don't, game. Well, maybe that wasn't the wording. I don't, I'm not sure. Although it was that what Caruso said. Oh, I think it was, was Vera Pau said it afterwards, yeah, in our post-match. Mistake. Yeah, one mistake, and that's, that's what happened. That was what she said. Like, and it was, sorry, but it was a, it was a silly foul that was... I was a penalty all day. Like I saw some people saying it was a bit soft. It was a tangling of legs. I mean, like, I do think there was a tangling of legs, but she put her two hands. That was the it thing. Was yeah. Like, yeah. It was. She it, it, Once you do that, and you're in the box. It's going to be yeah. penalty yeah. all day. If it was the other way around, we would have been. Going oh yeah, it was. No, it's absolutely a penalty. But I do think she was unfortunate with her legs. But what was she doing back there? I know. Like, I know. Okay. Yeah, but look, that happens. Like they they were switching all the time. She yeah. and McCabe and Kathleen was saying she was noticing it in the stadium with um, Sinead O'Carroll too that there was a lot of switching going on between the two. Yeah. And that she was quite small and not defensively minded, so she was in an unfortunate position there. It's not to say that McCabe wouldn't have uh, tangled legs with Rasso either. Like, yeah. you know. Bruce Robbo Fan Club says on the YouTube comments uh, execution of Irish play in the game, apart from a couple of decent corners and one free kick, was so infuriating. Very little quality in the game beyond Denise O'Sullivan. Yeah, I um, wouldn't entirely disagree with that. I thought the passing was a bit off at times. I thought we Basics. grew into it a bit. Again, I, like, I think it, the performance um, equated like. Men's the men's team at World Cups previously when we've done well yeah. is that it's real backs against the wall job very very organised very tough to break down mm-hmm. uh, but you just wish for a bit more football and especially with this team where there are footballers in the team that's why I think O'Sullivan was trying probably a bit too hard as the footballer in the team kind of thing that yes. she has to try and play around with the ball I thought Little John did okay I thought she did well enough Yeah, um, I don't think that necessarily to be a change there maybe like I, ideally I'd like Connolly in midfield and another 
uh, defender brought in. Yeah. And then <laughs> I know you're taking a huge risk um, taking McCabe out of a left wing back position when she has responsibility for that flank. Because yes. you saw Australia target Heather Payne on the other side. Yeah, but she did well. She did. She did well. Yeah, she did well. Um, yeah, I thought she did well. I think Vine, Vine was. I think Vine was having some joy against her. That's why Faraday was doing well too, covering for Payne yeah. at the times. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Gustafson, by the way, the Australian manager, like the cheek of him. Um, the night before the game, he's talking about the. Uh, he says, "I've I've identified an Irish weakness." Well, and he said it unprompted. He did, and then all of a sudden you see them attacking that that pain, yeah, pain's wing straight away. So that clearly is where they were yeah. identifying the weakness. But like, that's a bit cheeky. Richie was pointing out in the show last night in the newsroom. Right, I was yeah, listening yeah. to him, and he was saying like it was very Brendan Rodgers esque. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was What's like it's like <laughs> nobody's asked you yeah. to have you identified an Irish weakness. He's just gone and said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was mind games maybe from from Gustafsson. A bit cheeky. Look, they um, were no great shakes. Not no, to be no. afraid of. I like, they were missing Sam, Sam Kerr. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, what's this? Uh, Emma was saying there this morning in the office. It was like, no, Sam Kerr. So that was a big chance, like. Oh, massive. And it was chance. a big chance. Yeah, that's why they like we needed to get the draw, especially with Sam Kerr. Not and what about her poker face in the press conference? Like, she knew at that point she was not playing because it happened in the, you know, the, yeah. the last training session. She did her calf, so she she knew at that point she wasn't going to be playing. Did you ask her what celebration she was going to do? And she was like, oh, I don't know. God, Played yeah, a terrible situation for her. Obviously, you don't see, like to see any player in the World Cup, but it was a massive boost for Ireland. Huge. When that Mary came Fowler in. came in, and yeah, what a player as well. And like, she has her Irish connections. Her dad's from Ballymun. Yeah. Her granddad's still living in Dublin. Two sisters played for Ireland, didn't they? And she nearly did. Yeah. She very nearly did. So, yeah, that's another one lost. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, we should mention them as well. A couple of the Irish clubs were in action in Europe last night as well. Um, so to go around the, the groups, I get Derry City won, HP Torshavn nil. Uh, so Derry continuing their Europa League conference, uh, Europa Conference League campaign. Sadio Diallo, the only goal. So Rory Higgins team booking their place in second qualifying round. They're going to play the Finnish lead leaders Cups next Thursday evening. Cups KUPS. I love this one uh, in, the, in the first leg in that game. Um, the other games last night, Pat's not doing enough to uh, to get through Diddling. Uh, beating them so 3-2 on the night to, to Diddling 5-3 in aggregate uh, a remarkable own goal which will live long in the memory the, oh uh, the go- one of the goals for Pat so <laughs> it's on the front page there somewhere real. I don't even know how you explain what happened he's headed the ball backwards what a header the keeper comes out and heads the ball <laughs> heads header. the ball into his own goal <laughs> it was uh, it was bizarre uh, sold out crowd for that Pat's game last night and I mean Diddling Diddling Diddling, Diddling <laughs> Look, whatever it is, they went they went two 0 up, and you're thinking tie over. But then that goal happens, and it's a sniff maybe for Pats. But in the end, um, the US the US side doing enough to to progress, and Dundalk surviving a little bit of a scare from Bruno's Magpies uh, to advance. So some nervy moments at Oriel Park, but uh, they've booked the Europa Conference League second qualifying round yet with Ka Akureyri of Iceland next week. A three one win at Oil Park last night and uh, they drew in a nil of course in Victoria Stadium a week ago so 3-1 had finished uh, Pat- Patrick Hoobin giving them a lead uh, all, uh, after three minutes of last night's game so uh, not bad for the Irish teams last night Pats um, maybe not included in there but uh, at least a couple of teams are progressing yeah because mm-hmm. uh, especially after the Shamrock Rovers performances you were there like Ash and they were I don't know what happened to them in that tie yeah, but they were poor yeah, and I think they'll, they'll be very disappointed. Mm. You know, they probably wanted to go one further even this year. Like, yeah. they had done so well last year. But even just financially for clubs, you know, it's massive. Yeah. You know, th- that'll be probably a big oh. thing too. 
Huge. So, yeah, I think they'll be very, very disappointed. But, yeah, not great performances, though. We mentioned Bruno's Magpies. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, of yes. course, takes it. Yes, that's, I mean, that's why you're there. Like, you, you know, know what? Yeah. That's why you're sitting there. The big boxes. Design the happens. coffee. Yeah, so yeah. Sitting there. Listen, thanks for the coffee this morning, by the way, Colm. I'll leave it there. Um, Did you not bring it in? I did, yeah. You see, the coffee, it's instant. It's instant coffee. It's instant Brayburn coffee. Brayburn. Oh, he did get it for you? Yeah. We did. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bruno Fernandez named as the new club captain for Manchester United. <laughs> Do you know what? We were sitting here on a Monday morning doing power, our performance rankings months ago. The morning after Liverpool hammered United yeah. at Anfield seven nil, oh, and yes. I think Nathan was co-hosting, right? And Nathan put up the question: Should Bruno Fernandez ever captain Manchester United again, based on his histrionics in the second half? Yeah. And look at him now, months later, named the permanent captain after Harry Maguire was dropped. Uh, I'm not delighted about it. Mm. From, uh, but he, he was the he was the only. That feels like option. he was the I'm only sure, option. I'm not sure if he was. Who else? Sure who would you pick? Luke Shaw, uh, Rafael Varane. Oh, Varane. Martinez. Yeah. Um, mm, Varane, maybe. Yeah, I can see. Uh, Casemiro. Casemiro is Casemiro's English. I presume his English. Oh, it'll be good enough. Oh, for he fair, speak, um, he'd speak Portuguese to enough. And Antonio Valencia, uh, captain United, with, with yeah. a couple of words. Um, I'm sure he'd be fine. I just like Fernandez, fine player on loads for United his statistics are off the charts he always gets himself involved he never goes hiding really a lot, lot to admire not sure I'd follow him into battle yeah that's all I'd say right yeah yeah I, look I wouldn't follow Harry Maguire into battle either potentially yeah. uh, also Andre Onana has taken the number 24 shirt mm. at Manchester United iconic number 24 <laughs> <laughs> he wears 23 for Cameroon I think uh, vacating the number 1 jersey I, I, I don't know is that it respect <laughs> to the great DDG it could be a ploy you know uh, there's a lot of pressure at Manchester United to be a United goalkeeper as someone said recently did Roy Keane or Gary Neville say it in the overlap they said that, that the Manchester United goalkeeping position is the most pressurised position in world football uh, which is uh, it's most scrutinised yeah fair shout so maybe not taking the number one jersey is Onana going is it the most mm. scrutinised yeah it's up there for sure so it's, it's an interesting decision I know jersey numbers don't really matter but like there's, st- there's still a little bit of in- intrigue oh, it might just be a preference sure um Rui Patricio when he was at Wolves yeah. he took a um, mad number didn't he but that was more in tribute to a, a previous goalkeeper but yeah like Eric's short numbers for goalkeepers sure. yeah, we've long moved yeah. on uh, number ones you know exactly but uh, yeah look he, look, it could ma- it could be the making of uh, Fernandes in, in terms of like he could tone down the the ranting and raving and uh, gesticulation to his teammates and maybe like well I'm captain now a bit like actually Katie McCabe said in uh, the Players Tribune article this week which mm. is like she had never captained anyone yeah. which is so mad to get yeah. then being named Irish senior captain and she said look she wasn't ready but she had to act like she was ready yes. and maybe it'll be a bit like this for Fernandez look I'm actually the leader now permanently I can't be going on like I'm going on yeah I'll tone it down towards my teammates. He'll probably put it all on the ref now in the opposition. It probably will help and things. In my yeah, and sometimes better. that's why you're made captain in a way. Yeah. They they think it, they see something in you, but also maybe it'll calm you down and put you know into the player that they think you're going to be. Yeah, big time. That's right. Patricia wore eleven at Wolves. Mark Dunning. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, but it was there was a reason. It was I can't remember. Like the there was a tribute to goalkeeper. Yeah, uh, I should mention as well. There's a Rory O'Connor has a, a piece in the Irish Independent this morning, uh, which is bad news for the Irish women's uh, rugby team because. Nicola Friday, captain, is believed to be on the cusp of announcing her retirement from international rugby. Um, she, she, of course, led Ireland through the, the Six Nations campaign this year. Very, very tough Six Nations campaign. The Offaly woman uh, looks set to focus on her club career. Rory is reporting with Exeter Chiefs, with whom she reached the Premier 15s final earlier this month. So she's got 34 caps for Ireland, debut in 2016, played at the Rugby World Cup in 2017. 
that would be huge news uh, yeah. if that happens. So she's only 28. Kira Griffin, of course, retiring at 27 a couple of years ago as well. So a uh, bit of a blow. Yeah, big blow. And I wonder, does it come into the contracts? And obviously girls are training professionally. Other girls are obviously opted to, to keep their jobs because obviously financially it makes more sense. You know, it could be something like that to yeah. do with it as well because that they're training full time and then you're coming from work and yeah. trying to fit into this setup. I often wonder how does that work in the in the long term. So yeah, that is such a blow because she had such a tough Six Nations campaign. She was always the the first up front in for you know, in front of the media and she did so well with that at that role at a very tough time. And what a player as well. You know, she had to step in there. There was a lot of retirement and she stepped up to the plate and mm. Yeah, uh, that that's yeah, that's not great news to hear. No, big news. Uh, keep the comments coming in on the YouTube channel as well. Damon Hanley says, Shane, the Aussies are extremely confident in every walk of life and not afraid to let you know. Try listening to their rugby commentary on Fox. Bias is something to behold. Yeah, I've heard the Aussie commentators weren't uh, that impressed with some of Katie McCabe's tackling on their coverage um, yesterday. Like, in fairness, McCabe could have seen a soft red yeah. at the end of the half. It would have been a bit harsh. It was probably an amber card. <laughs> but I was shocked that Farrah didn't look at that. <laughs> like she went in uh, She was definitely, I don't know, yeah, she was lucky at times, but same time. I, I, yeah, but it does, I know she was targeted, she was, like, that's yeah. totally, and she was, and she must have been annoyed about it, but, like, that tackle, I was like, yeah. got a bit lucky there, like. Yeah. But also, we love Katie for ah, that's why her, her, her battle that she had with Ross was an, unbelievable. It was brilliant. But yeah, like, we wouldn't want to lose that. And then Denise Sullivan probably unfairly got booked. I know. She didn't know what was happening. And it was like, yeah, that was for Katie, but you're unfortunate here. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't want Katie to dilute any of her aggression no, either. No, we need uh, a bit of that. should mention 8.03am on this Friday morning's OTBM, the sports breakfast show and Off The Ball with you live until 10 o'clock this morning as per usual. I should mention Off The Ball is coming to the Cork Podcast Festival. Join us on Sunday the 27th of August in the Cork Opera House. Jimmy Barry Murphy will be there, plus a few other famous faces to be announced. For tickets, go to corkpodcastfestival.ie forward slash off hyphen the hyphen ball. After the break, we're going to digest the Republic of Ireland's defeat to Australia more with Linda Gorman live in studio. First, though, here's Ashling here speaking with Denise O'Sullivan's Mam Nula in Cork yesterday. Nula, you must be so proud of Denise and what a performance out there today as well. Oh, it was fantastic. I'm so proud of her. Even with the injury she had during the week, you know, she played so well. Yeah. And when you heard she got the injury, what was that like? Oh, we were devastated. Yeah. Do you know, but she came back, you know, and she's strong. Absolutely. Denise is very strong and she came back. She did, absolutely. You can see it in her playhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant crowd that's out here today. Oh well. my God, it was fantastic. Like, <laughs> brilliant. Like. Oh, it's amazing. And there's so many of you. That's there is sure. just too many of us. <laughs> <laughs> a big clan. Uh, it's great to see and there is hope like it was a 1-0 defeat today but they played well and they're up against they the did they? yeah they did yeah so next week no hopefully like you yeah, know fingers yeah. crossed yeah and did you always know that Denise would go on and play for Ireland always always like because she was like that like even when she was younger she was going in the park above and play soccer all the boys like, and that was her dream yeah was our dream to go for Ireland and she's there today eh? unbelievable and what age did she start playing she played when she was about five do you know out in the park where her brothers now when yeah 
fantastically. You've had a lovely going away for her. Oh, it was, was out brilliant. in the field where she grew up. Like. Oh, it was brilliant, mate. Fantastic. The crowds were unbelievable. Eh? <laughs> she couldn't believe it. No. <laughs> it was brilliant, mate. Eh? Brilliant for her. I'm so proud of her, mate. All the girls, yeah. you know, they all done very well, like, you know what I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if you had a message for them, what would you say? I'd say, well done, girls. Yeah. I'm so proud of the whole lot of you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Nuala. Thank, Thank you, you so much. OTB AM. Six minutes past eight on this Friday morning's OTB AM, the sports breakfast showing off the ball. We're going to digest the game now further with Linda Gorman, the former Irish international player and manager. Linda, good morning. Morning. How are we keeping? I'm great. Thank you. So enough time has passed now for us to properly, um, I guess, have a think about how we feel about yesterday morning. But um, disappointing result considering the bombardment of the Aussie goal that happened later on. And we were hoping and expecting a goal. But all the same, you have to be proud of them. Well, yesterday morning, had, had I been asked what would my prediction be, I would not have been able to answer. Simply because you really don't know how players are going to play on the day. I like to take about 15, 20 minutes to see our people, um, how they're managing on the pitch against their opponent and how the flow is going and what type of systems they're playing. Um, so, you know, and then yesterday, I suppose most people didn't give us much of a chance if you look at the track record of Australia. Having said that, I know they missed care, but having said that, um, our girls were so committed all over the pitch and a great indication of that was, I don't know if anybody else noticed but I thought it was remarkable that the Aussies centre halves were putting the ball straight down the middle Mm. to um, our central defenders because obviously we were getting no joy on the wings the flanks, you know and um, that was just it was just wonderful to watch and as the time was going by and the Aussies weren't you know, scoring because mm-hmm. we had them really contained in the in the first third. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, my only disappointment was that we left. I thought, and it's not a criticism; it's just an observation because you know, football is a matter of mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. I would have loved to see us push players forward a little sooner because once that happened, the need and um, Katie McCabe pushed up. Uh, we actually bombarded them. Yeah. You know, yeah. absolutely bombarded them. And Katie is dangerous in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Passionate. We're talking about She's it if we just had her that bit closer. <laughs> yeah, fearless, you know. Yeah. Go, and not only herself, the other players, because what happens is that if you see somebody doing it, you'll do it. Yeah. So it sort of runs right across the um, the whole team, particularly up front, because we were desperate to score a goal. Uh, the corners, I was... Um, slightly disappointed in terms of where they were aimed for. Mm. Like you try, the keeper got a couple of them. You try to probably put it in anywhere between the penal box and the six yard, mm. yes. so that you sort of try to commit the goalkeeper. And you know the goalkeeper's not going to get off the line. But if you have the likes of Louise Quinn up there, she'll absolutely her strength and her height. Yeah, yeah, and she's fearless as well. She doesn't care what's in yeah. front of her. We were talking about it this morning, Linda, but um, Amber Barrett not coming off the bench like I thought it was bizarre and, and we were saying this morning like using Louise Quinn and pushing her forward in that sense almost feels like it should be a last resort but were you surprised to see Amber Barrett not I was very surprised and, and all my friends because all, all my friends are ex-international players they were absolutely astounded simply because she is such 
a goal oriented player mm. yeah. and she had the f- she does have the physique to match their defenders she's not easily pushed off the ball and as well as that she she just has this drive you know to go and and attack their you know back line in terms of you know looking for really good opportunities mm. to score a goal so yeah it was quite a surprise you know now I was happy to see um, Abby Larkin on but I I hope <clears throat> Abby will look back at it and see the things she should have done. I'm not criticising her in any way, but um, she looked a little bit lost as to where she should put the ball or mm. what she should do. And across one of the crosses, I thought was a little bit weak. Mm. Well, it's incredible. Like 18 years of age, and you know, I was saying that she almost the whole way through the game was beaming. Like she couldn't believe where she was. Yeah, yeah. coming on, she was like you know smiling as she was coming on, and which is so nice to see. But she, that'll stand to her, you know. Absolutely, because if you look at the the Aussies, I mean, Kerr was 15 when she debuted for the senior team, yeah. and most of the others on average were 17. So, and it's good because she was put in a position that she could sort of be protected. She wasn't a defender, mm-hmm. and if things went wrong, yeah. you know, if her head goes down at such a young age, um, she mightn't have been able to recover. At the same time, she does have an immense amount of ability, you know, and mm. she's lovely skill, mm-hmm. and she looks the player. He doesn't she? She's yeah. a proper little baller. Yeah. When we were talking just about Amber Barrett and not coming on, did you like to see Louise Quinn getting pushed forward? Do you think that's the, the right call? Actually, Amber Barrett coming on, to me, we all expected her to come on because she always gives so much. Mm. She's very exciting. Um, she'll run her butt off to for, her, for the rest of the team. Yeah, I was a bit quite, mm. dis- well, not disappointed, just a nod call, I thought. Yeah. One uh, one really positive thing, and I think to take from it is that I guess a lot of people in advance were talking about the 80,000 seater stadium. What was the occasion going to be too big for for some of these players? First World Cup game against the hosts and everything that came with it. And there was so much talk. Even Shabana Hearn was talking with us months ago about that moment when the national anthem was going to be played in front of such a big stadium. Like the players dealt with the occasion remarkably well. I know that they, they didn't get the result, but they didn't. It didn't feel like any of them were overawed. See, they're sort of cocooned, I would imagine. Mm. And, of course, they have psychologists and whoever talking to them, getting into their head. Um, and they get very emotional, believe it or not, every time the, the national anthem is played. So yesterday was no different. Mm. So I would imagine, and it showed, it lifted them. So the occasion, they weren't overawed by the occasion yeah. because they battled to keep, the Aussies out of the game and actually quite disappointed in the, the Aussies Can you know the, so when, an hour before kickoff, when the Sam Kerr news comes through obviously from an Irish perspective we're all going deadly yeah. <laughs> this is last this is a relief not having to deal with a player of that calibre is there a flip side to that where, whereby you've prepared for Sam Kerr for so long you're thinking about Australia with Sam Kerr and then all of a sudden she's taken out of the equation can it be off-putting could it be off-putting from an Irish perspective then to be like okay well it's not the Australia we we thought we were preparing for whatsoever. Like, is is there any negative to be taken from a player of Sam Ka- Sam Kerr's like quality to, being taken out? If I look, I'd flip that for you and say it more affected the Aussies than it did the Maybe, Irish. Yeah, yeah. And again, she plays in England, so some of the girls would know her style and know what to do. But I think the Aussies were more affected psychologically that she wasn't mm. on the pitch. Yeah, 
because other players had to step that, up. I think going forward for them, they missed her. But when we were talking about the Aaron Naveen, what was it like for you watching? Like obviously mm-hmm. all these years that you spent, you know, getting the girls to to where they are, a lot of them, and to watch them go out in the World Cup, was it emotional? Or? Oh, absolutely. I was just saying to the guys that like I nearly needed um a nice bath because I played every position where every player was you know? <laughs> and that's what happens you know you're just so immersed in it um, yeah around Naveen it's, it's the same for the girls same for everybody once it's aired it's very emotional mm. you know we were very emotional uh, it was an unbelievable occasion uh, we were chatting earlier as well Tony Gustafson the Australian manager had been chat- talking the night before about targeting um, an area of Irish weakness and he'd said he'd, he'd identified an area of Irish weakness we figured that was Heather Payne's wing where they kept targeting relentlessly in the first half but I mean dealt with it fairly well like they were clearly trying very specific things the the Aussies but it just wasn't working out it wasn't because she was also getting support so she wasn't isolated on her own out there and she's great pace that's Mm. one thing that's very noticeable about her but as I go back to what I said originally they abandoned going down the wings for straight balls mm. down the middle, which I thought was really extraordinary, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got Little John there and then you have Louise Quinn. You know, yeah. I, I just didn't know what they were trying to get out, that type of stuff. I didn't know whether they were testing. And Mind then, games. of course, Brosnan isn't behind and she's a powerhouse. Yeah. yeah Did so you <coughs> make of the Katie McCabe and Hayley Russo ba- battle at many times? Oh. They were going at it. It's, it's a doddle for Katie. <laughs> Absolute doddle. She had her in her. She really had her in her yeah. back pocket, you know. And I mean, when, when you need to be aggressive, she can, Katie can be very aggressive, um, but not in a way that you want to injure the bear. It's just her passion to win the ball, you know. And we're all like that, you know. And it was so vital yesterday because she set the tone. Because if she can do it, everybody else should be able to do it. Having said that, Denise O'Sullivan was, for me, phenomenal. The ground she covered, the tackle she put in. I I know at the end, players were getting tired because you could see the first touch that wasn't as close as it should be. It was sort of running away from them a little bit. But if you measure that against the amount of work that they did, you could... And when you look at the final 20 minutes and they sort of stepped up another gear, Mm. it was just great. I was very proud. Really proud. Really, really strong performance. The... The, the, I guess these games are often decided on one little incident, one little moment, and the penalty incident, uh, Linda. I mean, it was—I don't know—was a little bit naive from Marissa Shiva. Probably, if she had the time back, obviously she wouldn't lay her hands. You see, when you looked at a first, the angle we seen a first, ah, she fell over. She mm. looked as if, you know, the girl got tied in her in her feet. Yeah. You know, yeah. but if you look at from the other angle. She had her hands on her before it happened, and then they had no choice. No choice. No, no choice. It looked bad. It did, it's unfortunate. Yeah. She didn't mean to do that. Yeah, but it was a penalty. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a penalty. You couldn't because they're given penalties for everything now. You know, yeah. if, can't, if the ball hits off you, it's a penalty. If, if your hand, mm. it's a penalty. So that absolutely obvious. It quite annoys me at times because if you look at the men's game, I mean. We put she put her hands on the player. Our men in the men's games they wrap themselves around the yeah. players, and, and nothing nothing is given. You know, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, the decision making. Yeah, oh. it, was it was very tough for her, and she was in the dugout after, and you could see the tears streaming down her face. And 
God, you, you wouldn't like to be in that position, but hopefully she can, you know, take from it in a sense and, and, and move on that mm. these things are going to happen. It's football. Mistakes are going to happen. It's just unfortunate for her. It was her this time. Yeah. Our biggest learnings in life are our biggest mistakes. Mm-hmm. She will have learned from that. I mean, in our day, you used your body. You didn't sort of use your hands, but you used your body pretty well. Mm. Do you know, do you know mm. what I'm saying? Um, and this hand stuff, yeah, you can put your hands up. Not like that, but like that. Yes. Do you know, um, there's ways around it. But it's just unfortunate. It just happened. I, I sort of wondered because why was she in there anyway? This is what we were just talking Covering about. Covering Katie yeah. McCabe is, is what some people were suggesting that, that Katie was slightly out of position and she had to run back. In. I, I don't know is the answer, but it was just one of those things. Very often, if there's, if there's one criticism of the Irish team, it's that sometimes concentration for 90 minutes doesn't happen they can switch off for a minute or two and that's all it takes for a little moment like that mm. and in the World Cup game where you end up losing 1-0 that m- miniature lapse in concentration is all it takes sometimes that's it yeah it's just one little mistake one tiny mistake um, that you are switched off and, th- and that happens across football it's yeah. not just for us it's for everybody else the the, the bench albeit Ababara didn't uh, leave the bench but even Lucy Quinn I thought was was good when she came on and added something different. She did, yeah, she did. We, I think we had might have had an opportunity with her yeah. when she came on. She, she, when you weigh herself up with um, Larkin, mm. yeah, she was she produced better stuff when she came on. Uh, could be because she's a little bit more experienced. But have but you have to also add on that we were pushing them, we were pressurising them, we'd released players now, like Katie McCabe now wasn't at the back, she was pushing on, mm. and other players were pushing on. I mean, we so bombarded them that when I was looking at their defenders, they were so happy just to kick the ball anywhere. Just, just clear, get it clear. Yeah. 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 Do you think the Vera might take anything from that last, say, 15, where they actually were attacking and, as you said, released players? They're allowed to, to go and on the front foot and play. Well, I, no, I think the first call for for Vera is let's defend and maybe we can get a goal on the break. But I, I, I it's not my way of playing, like leaving a, a lone player up front. I mean, you'd have to be Pele or Maradona, you know, on your own up there to be able to take three or four players on. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very tough, lone, lonely place to be. Um, and it's when it changed, and I'm not sure if it is going to change again because we have Canada now. Yeah. Canada Olympic champions, yeah, yeah, Olympic champions, you know. But they played Nigeria. Through Nigeria overnight, yeah. nil, nil, which yeah. is a good result potentially for us. Great. You know, yeah, yeah. Just means get something out of the Canada game and then beat the Nigerians. And I just, I didn't see the game. I'm just wondering if the Nigerians were as physical. From what I've heard, apparently so. Um, very, very physical at the back counter-attacking is very, very good as well. Mm. Obviously, that game was in the middle of the night, so I didn't get to watch it myself. But yeah. th- by and large, all the reports seem to be suggesting that, that Nigeria were probably good for, for a draw. Um, Christine Sinclair obviously misses the penalty. Yeah, Good save for the Nigerian keeper, but yeah, Jesus, we'll take that sort of result all day long. We will. It's great for, for us. us. Yeah. But Canada, I'd say, would oh, yeah. not be Didn't happy at all. Yeah, not the, be happy. There's a theme in the YouTube comments, and it's similar to what we're chatting about here. Uh, Danny Mac one says, Ireland are hard to break down, but by God, we won't be breaking anyone down either. Need to get McCabe up the field. And Richard Melia says, no expert, but should we not find a way to get McCabe further up the field and more involved? Her and Denise Sullivan are class. That, like, yeah. that is the solution here, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, 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 it's, it was difficult for me to... 
look at the line out and see McCabe so far back. She's she's very good. She play in any position for Vera, but it doesn't add to our attacking ability when we have to restrict her mm. to where she is. You know, to a defender, yeah. um, it doesn't add yet. When she is released, the difference it makes. And it also encourages other players to push forward as yes. well. Because we had quite an amount of players forward yesterday on the final push 10, 15 minutes. I was saying, God, if they, if the Aussies launch a ball down, we're going to be caught. Yeah, because you know? Heather Payne yeah. was yeah. Yeah, on that wing. She was bombing forward. Yeah. She yeah. was really effective, but I know what you mean. You're like, I hope I don't get caught in behind now at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think Katie, when she's pushing forward, you really see her, her attributes. Like, she or her she talent. pushes, yeah. And when, when we are pushing forward, um, um, what's her name in the middle? Denise. Denise. She sees gaps and spaces yeah. and she can release just the right ball. She can. If you have more yeah. than one player up front. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Uh, on Kira Carusa, her hold-up play often is very, very good. Mm. So much so that at times you, you saw Neil Fahey and, and Megan Connolly advancing fairly mm. high up because mm. her hold-up play was brilliant. Mm. Um, so, it, But it's, as we said this morning, it's tough work for, for Carusa because she's alone, up there by herself. Yeah, she's, a, she's a lone player up there. And sometimes if we play an early ball, you can't get up there fast enough because the ball is travelling away from you and you're trying to catch up with the ball and support the yeah. player up front. Uh, yeah, it was quite tough for her yesterday. Yeah. You were watching the match in Daily Mount? Yeah, I was. What fantastic. was that like? Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. And the big screen with my buddies, you know. <laughs> um, it was great. Yeah, it was just great. We were on our, our tops and um, shouting and screaming and roaring. And, you know, it was, the atmosphere was great. It was did, just great. Did you ever foresee a day where this will be happening? Like, uh, of course we foresaw an event down the line. We wanted the Irish teams to start qualifying for major tournaments. But it's maybe happened... I want to say ahead of schedule, possibly that that we've got to this point now that there's no turning back. Like you see that we we mentioned earlier, the front page of the Guardian and other papers with young kids, you know, watching the matches at some of these parties, and like the impact this is going to have, we probably won't realise or feel until the next generation of players comes along. Well, it, it never would have happened if the Liberty mm. yeah. fourteen or sixteen hadn't sta- yeah. hadn't stood up. It would never have happened yeah. because if you think about it, two years, and I'm sure. They went down every possible avenue they could, and had no, had no, just couldn't go anywhere. It was the final step. They had to stand up, and that that was very important. But it took what forty years, yeah, forty five years, you know. But it made a difference. FAI got behind them, and it just goes to show if the resources are there, what you can do. Hundred percent. And yeah. you even look at World Cups. You know, say say the World Cup after the next one, even in whatever eight years time like ten year olds there like there's some girls in that uh, that look maybe ten years old and in, in eight years time they'll be Abby Larkin's age do you know yeah. so like the, the next generation is going to be unbelievable and even Abby Larkin she'll be 26 yeah. in eight years time yeah. exactly yeah. probably yeah. in her prime but if, yeah but if you look at the, the Aussie team I mean they're not young they're, no. they were quite no, their bench yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But, the, but even the players on the pitch like really and that's a good age for women like it mightn't be for men I'm not sure why but mm. for women for some reason or other 30s is great yeah you know, great yeah. time in life you don't lose any energy actually get better yeah to be quite honest with you the, the joy of all this and what the girls have done is all these academies that are coming up the interest 
with the girls. I really would now like the FAI to get behind the type of futsal skill stuff at a very, very early age because that's the type of skill we need to match Yeah. Um, the teams that we're playing against because technically on paper and even when you look at them, they are ahead of us mm-hmm. and we need to catch up with them and you can only do it from a small age, a young age yeah. where you're developing those it's types. Technically, of isn't it? People are, even this week were talking about the Limerick hurlers ahead of the, the All-Ireland final this weekend and they're maybe just technically slightly better with the, the smaller skills. It's probably the same with the Irish team. Like if we get to a level where the difference between Ireland and Australia probably is very very small but just the small technical things maybe that they do slightly better than us yeah yeah across across the pitch it's not just in by one or two players it's across the pitch that you do it Um, and it is it it is the thing that makes the difference between you know really top side Mm. do you feel like there's enough buzz about Linda did you feel that yesterday I well there's enough buzz among us Um, (laughs) I'm not sure it is because people talked quite a lot about not having enough buntings up and mm. you know the media have done everything they possibly could it's just the needed I think people were looking for a visible show by Manon Heron yeah you know to get out there and make sure that they're supporting the girls yeah before we let you go Linda how do you see the group going now can we get a result against Canada I'm very positive now like the results yesterday with Nigeria and Canada and the fact that it was just marginal between us and um, Australia Yeah. so yeah I'm very optimistic now mm. you know, and I'm sure the Irish players are 100% you know? yeah. yeah that's the right way to be isn't it yeah. exactly no, we love, love to hear it love to hear it Linda thanks for, for popping in again oh, very welcome as per usual Linda Gorman there uh, Irish legend I think it's fair to say uh, after the break we'll have Tommy Welsh in studio with us previewing Kenny Limerick this weekend first though more from Ashley and Cork yesterday with the O'Sullivans this time speaking with Denise O'Sullivan's sister Melissa have a look Melissa, you're Denise O'Sullivan's sister. You I must be so Denise. proud of her. Absolutely very proud and very nice. Who wouldn't be when your sister's in the World Cup? Oh. Win or lose, to be honest. Yeah. You have to make it that far, so it's great. It's great excitement for the family. Good performance today, and Denise did so well. You know, they, they actually all did well. There was parts where they could have done a bit better, probably, but that's, this is the game. This is what it's about. You know, they really came back at the end. I thought there was there was a goal there. Yeah, <laughs> at the end, near the end. It was just... But look, it didn't happen, and penalty happened unfortunately so look we take this is what it's all about it is absolutely and you could even see when some of the girls were walking out they were taking deep breaths Abby Larkin was coming on she was yeah. beaming like it's this is a big moment it's, hum- it's absolutely sure it's history yeah so it's great to see it and all the family and friends all about the kids as well yeah. kids love it tell us a little bit about the family there's a lot of you here a lot of nieces and nephews there as well there is I'm the eldest of 10 Very Denise good. is the youngest there's about 23, 24 nieces and nephews I'm even losing count at this stage. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's so great to have someone like Denise to look up to for all of Ah, they adore her. They absolutely adore her. And it's fabulous. You know, it's great, positive, everything positive and yeah. a great role model. Because I'd say for growing up for Denise, she didn't have a lot of this to look at. You know, she didn't have, you know, Ireland in the World Cup. Of course, there was nothing like that. No. But now the women's, hopefully it'll get bigger and better mm. after this. You know, Absolutely. it's great. It's fantastic. And what is the, the plan for the family now? Will you go out to watch the, the next game against Canada next week? We're actually having a big party in Murphy's Rock Bar nice. on the north side. We have a big thing planned up there. It's going to be bigger than what today was. So everyone's welcome. Yeah. You know, support them. 
the more the merrier because they need it brilliant and will you be talking to Denise now maybe tonight or tomorrow yeah tomorrow tonight now probably yeah ah. straight away on the phone yeah it's great brilliant well thanks so much no bother Thank at you. all thanks for your yeah, great stuff. Half past eight approaching on this Friday morning's O2BM, the sports breakfast show on Off the Wall. Myself and Ashley with you this morning, right through until 10 o'clock. Uh, Ashley there speaking, of course, with the O'Sullivan family, Denise O'Sullivan's family, uh, during and after the Irish game against the Aussies yesterday. Uh, time to turn our attention to Matters Hurling and the All Ireland Senior Hurling Championship final this coming weekend. Tommy Welsh has joined us in studio. Morning, Tommy. Yeah, good morning, Sam. You were at the uh, the roadshow last night, so this is, uh, I mean, what a lineup this was. Uh, we had the, the Hurling Pod live, uh, all ticket proceeds, by the way going to the Dylan Quirk Foundation and Focus Ireland as well uh, with Boygosh Energy proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship so it was at the Boygosh Energy Theatre you had yourself we had Kieran Carey yeah we had James Scahill and Paul Murphy of course Willow Callan presenting like I mean what a lineup bit of crack I'd imagine yeah and big Joe Canning ah, Joe Canning of course fun. sorry so much fun and so much hurling talk like um, just reminds you of the great times you've had I suppose because you're reminiscing on times gone past Yes. And uh, whatever about the medals, like just the kind of laughing and joking, really is probably what to remember just as much and such a vital part of it. And a lot of that was brought up last night. I can imagine. I was um, I was in Kilkenny the night before, or yesterday night, or la- the night before last, and I was driving through. I was thinking of you, Tullerone and the signs. I was driving from Kilkenny to Murrow in, in Limerick, and uh, I had such an unbelievable experience in Kilkenny across the twenty-four hours I was there. Like it was just, it was in Langton's and I was chatting to Owen Larkin and, but the, the best experience I had um, Eddie Kerr came in and he was chatting in, in Langton's and I couldn't believe like, just Eddie Kerr is such a legend obviously before my time but the name precedes him obviously in the videos you see of the man yeah unbelievable well sure listen I was lo- looking and listening to a few of them podcasts you had Shane like you probably couldn't have got a better line up yeah. in fairness like Kerr like he's up there with the Nicky Rackards and Christy Rings yeah. and you know, Jimmy Dial is just an absolute hero to say my father's generation that would have seen him. Yes. Like the way we now look at Henry and TJ and say Keen Lynch and these lads, Kerr was their man, you know. Big time. And before that, obviously, you had Nicky Rackard and Christy Ringa and so on, but that's the that's what you were dealing with the other day. Like, they were royalty. We were talking even, I, I was with uh, Fan Larkin and Joe Hennessy down at the village pitch, and we were we did a bit of an interview there, and I like, Fan Larkin is some man. Like five foot four, I think he is, and like I couldn't stop laughing at one point because he started talking about how the game needs more hurlies broke. broke. Like just he says, back in the day, he used to have hurls broke over lads' legs and whatever, and it was brilliant. But now, if there's a hurl broke, referee straight away. They're probably just better quality now. Like it's not as if they're not going in as hard. But Joe Hennessy made the point as well that the paying public they don't want violence, but. They wouldn't mind a couple of hurls been broken over the course of the seventy five minutes. There wasn't as many cameras back then either or <laughs> podcasts to talk about it. Yeah, so yeah. if you hit a you know, a belt in February or even in a Leinster final it might be seen. Like, yeah. you know, because the only matches were shown that time were kind of all Ireland finals when I was watching, say in the early nineties, was all Ireland finals and all Ireland semi finals. So I suppose with the coverage and the, you're probably trying to set an example for, for the young people because you know, young people will do what they see on telly and they're heroes, so they probably had to tidy up <laughs> yeah. a small bit. But like Joe Hennessy was an incredible hurler as well, like wing back, corner back. Um, like the old days of the over 40s, the Masters hurling. Uh, my father played in that. I'm not sure when it was, probably the, the mid 90s or late 90s. And uh, daddy was on it, Joe Hennessy was on it, uh, Eddie Kerr was manager. Like it was just, and he was, Joe Hennessy was as good over 40s as he was when I'd say when he was hurling himself yeah. in the 80s he's been Masters handball up until 
He won an All Ireland final there only I'd say a couple of months ago. Myself and Johnny Brennan there from Ochilly because we, my own fellow, a few of us in Tullerone go in play handball inside North Lachlan's. Um, you know, the, 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 they're great in there to the young fellas, but all was just before our slot on a Thursday night. Joe Hennessy and Johnny Brennan are in there. I don't want to give away their ages, but they're not 21 or 22. And, no. you know, they won't all earn final, yeah. So it just goes to show, like, you're only as young as you feel. And uh, but Joe is you probably got that he's charismatic oh, character. He's a, he's a character, you know. Yeah. He's, he's gone in as a selector with Brian Cody now with the village, right? This year, so Brian has gone in as manager, and Joe they're only out until they're there a few weeks gone. So what better role models do you want when you look yeah. out to the sideline? I didn't know that. Wow. Jesus, yeah. 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 yeah it's not that. a bad lineup, management yeah. lineup, is it? You take oh, that <laughs> at club level, and then fan like fan's not a selector, but. He kind of is as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell he's the kind of guy around the club. He's, he's just floating around. He's you floating know. around. Never misses a match. No, whether it's under that. 12 hurling or well, under 13 in Kilkenny or under 11 or senior tournaments or camogie. Like Philly's son would have a lot of daughters involved there in the camogie now as well. And they're heavily involved there. But Fan is like Mr. Village. Because uh, we were leaving the, the, the James Stevens facilities and there was a young lad pucking around by himself. And uh, Joe was in He says... Shane, you'll be interviewing this young lad. I can't. I don't know his name. In a few years, and uh, he was just one of the. I think he was maybe a minor or twenty-one, maybe player, twenties player. Um, but he was getting ready to play Bally Gunner, I think, in some match yesterday evening, and for the club. And uh, Joe was shouting over at fan when they were leaving, saying, "Oh, well, that matches at whatever time." And fans like, "Oh, my call down." No one rightly from his voice, he was going down. You know? <laughs> the man clearly lives and breathes it. Like fan, breathes. fan reminds me. I, I never again never saw fan playing live, but I'd say he was a similar type of player to yourself. I know a fan was a cornerback, but like feisty. I was. And the great battles with Ray Cummins, the great Cummins was on the last team of the century. Um, and like fan, like Ray Cummins, I don't know how Ray Cummins was, probably 6'2 or 6'3. Yeah. And you saw a fan, but fan would give it as good, good as he got. But it was a different game back then. Like, you know, reading the game was huge mm. because the ball going in out of full forward, like it's so measured. But back then, you got the ball to the backs, and probably in that time, it was ground hurling. So it was just struck, just get out of my area anyway. That was the motto. So when it came down, fan was brilliant at reading the game. You know, he'd be out in front, he'd be gone before he, he, the ball would be, even be, be struck because he'd know from years and years of watching matches and playing matches. And that's the whole, I always call it the slumdog millionaire effect. <laughs> like it's not from studying, it's not from learning, it's just from being there and experiencing from a young age. And it just at that moment in time, it comes into your head, and off you go. You know where the ball is going to be. I was up in um, Martin Fogarty's house as well, like just outside Castle Comer. And there's a man with a brain for yeah. for the game. Like just he he would have been selector over yourselves for that that era. I think six All Irelands in that era as well. Like amazing. Yeah, and he started off probably our age. Say myself and Jackie and JJ and Connor Phelan, Brian Dowland, the court, you know the Kenny Camogie manager. Like there's so much of us that went on play senior starting Martin Forty Mick Dempsey mm-hmm. and uh, he was such a like Martin Forty was talking out for his club I'd say until a couple of years ago as well right. I was there in was the side he? he used to have a black Cooper helmet now this is when you didn't have to have a face guard he'd be standing on the sideline with his corner tracks <laughs> 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 you know that's much he loves the game and you know what he has done but I would remember Martin was as you know he's a character yeah, and he's just able to get you to buy into the whole system and the belief and the game and the team and the panel but say when you wouldn't know him would you be worried that listen is he maybe a bit of a joker and a bit <laughs> but when he's involved serious he's L2 bought 
Yeah. And um, our first year involved, like we never went at an underage, our crop. And he brought us in under 21, then became under 21 manager. I don't know how, what he managed before that. And um, we had a great year. And McDemsey was trainer. But the following year then, he sent out a text message, listen, meeting around January, I suppose, meeting in, I think it was the Spring Hill that time. And hardly anyone texted him back. And he saw that as I was getting complacent. He said, last year, I text back within two minutes. Yeah. Now only maybe ten of the whatever panel text back within a certain time frame. Right. And he was just sending out a message. So yeah. I'm sure the next tes- text message you look for back <laughs> they were beep, beep, on their phone. That's interesting to look yeah. at it like that, yeah. <laughs> like even mad. at club level, the managers are always like, right, get back in the WhatsApp yeah. straight away. And if players aren't, that probably does send a message of... 100%. Yeah, your head's not clued in. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about uh, Brian Dowling. Uh, well, obviously you just mentioned there, but we were talking to him last oh, week, obviously, yeah. stepping down as the Kilkenny Camogie manager. And he mentioned about you. I don't know if you saw it. He just said that when you're on the pitch and say he came on and he was marking you or playing against you, you would be like, don't talk to me now. I'll talk to you after the game. <laughs> and that's the type of player you were. I mean, Shane, we're just having that discussion. Then what, like, what, what was he like? He says he's a talker. I'm like, if someone comes on and tries to talk to me, I, um, like, that's my worst nightmare. You two are similar to that. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be because I suppose you're hit, you know, someone starts talking to you, like, how do you, with the ball's about to come in, like, how, you know, when do you stop talking? Because that's probably I didn't see you playing football now actually yet, but <laughs> sure it's part of your game too. But like the most important part of hurling is the four or five seconds before the ball comes down. And if you're chatting away to Dowell in the corner, <laughs> he's probably it was probably a psychology. Yeah. Apart from him, he talk away to you, but he was probably looking at the ball out in front because he had a great career as well. Like I was best friends with Brian, right? At through school, like he's from all Aucklands, and um, we're both Arsenal supporters as well for our sins. And uh, we grew up during Dean Wright, George Graham era, Toddy oh, yeah. Adams, Ray Parler. Yeah. And um, so we met each other in Cairns. And um, that time, and that was the, the beauty of Cairns. You see the All Ireland victories and the Leinster victories of the college. And you mm. think it comes from just the, the, say, outside in the clubs and that. But every break and lunchtime, we were out either playing wall ball for an hour or playing matches. And we transferred. It was Brian and it used to play with Conor O'Grady, and there was a couple down in Fennessy's Field. And we were all playing wall ball. And Chaff Fitzpatrick was the wizard at. When we were in third or fourth year, Chaff came in and no one could beat him. He was just what, is, what are the rules? How, do you, how, how did you win at wall ball? So wall ball, basically, it can be played between two... You need two players. Or you can play up to as many players as the the size of the wall ball alley, I suppose. So the ball comes down. You have, we play, our, the game we played was major, majorly three hops, three bounces. So you got three hops on, the, on, on your boss and then three bounces on the ground and you hit it back now if you could do it in one or two all the better but the faster or lower you hit it off the wall or hit, the, hit at the angles depending on the alley um, you're brilliant at it. and that's why Chow was so good he had a brilliant head <laughs> and he was a brilliant competitor so probably the ultimate uh, wall ball player it's basically handball alley oh it's handball alley yeah. so, Absolutely. so if it bounces four times you're, you're bounce four times or if you're four times on the hurl uh, you're gone or if it rolls Right. So if you could get the angle on it on the wall and it rolled across, so you're you're beating Docker then straight away. It's all about angles. You're you're basically using Pythagoras' theorem there to play. Yeah, like you're trying to hit it as, as low on the wall as possible for it to bounce back. Absolutely, but if your man is up near the wall, you're trying to hit it higher. Yeah, yeah. So and you have to judge because you have big alleys and smaller because there's three walls on some of them. If you're lucky enough then down the clash, you have maybe four walls or you know we didn't play over in the butts or anything like that, but. 
often played in there, but not with the school, obviously. Like you know, but and then Brian then and, and Conor O'Grady and a few of them lads, they transferred it in. We went playing matches, so that was nine, or, you know, nine points yeah. in or whatever. And so it was just you're playing training sessions every day and, and, and the fitness yeah, as well, and, and just even match the, fitness. And coordination. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Brian, uh, so you would have hated the likes of that. Uh, a good mate of yours, like Brian, coming over and chatting about the night out you were going to have later on, and, and that sort of thing. Like you're just thinking, just go away from about yeah. about me. Just <laughs> concentrate. I'll talk to you after. Yeah. <laughs> but if you see, if I was Brian, Brian obviously knew you very well. Mm. If I was someone that knew you very well, and I was going over to market, that's exactly what I'd do. Yeah. You'd want to talk to you then because you'd you'd know that you hated it. Yeah, well, listen to it, but you're caught off straight away, so there's no <laughs> hating it. I didn't you hate can't it stop man from talking. <laughs> you can tell him to shut up. I could stop listening. Yeah, yeah. Well, Did true. that ever really happen at county level? County level. Um, Maybe it's more like Shane said, like a, a psychology thing where they're yeah. trying to get in the head. Yeah, well, one time it happened to me recently enough, we were playing the village, James Stevens again, and um, my godson plays for them. Right. Uh, Shane O'Donnell and he's fiery like and he's a good hurler and um, the yours would be fiery I'll <laughs> <laughs> say so my grandfather like you would have heard a lot listening to your podcast on Paddy Grace the other day so yeah. Paddy's my grandfather he's been Mammy's daddy you know and Shane O'Donnell's mother uh, Sandra so we're first cousins yeah so Paddy Grace would be Shane O'Donnell's great grandfather right but uh, Sandra would have been the oldest of our cousins, right? right. The family tree. <laughs> so she became my godmother. Okay. So then when, when Sandra had Shane, I was the godfather, right. you know? Yeah. But Shane is, I don't know how Shane is now, probably mid 20s. Yes. And um, so I was going to play against, so I was full force to come to, to, come to the end. And um, and I said, hey, listen, I'll talk to you after. I didn't know, did he understand the way? So That's I said, smart. listen, I'll talk to you after the game. You know? He looked at me like this. <laughs> I was going to kill me. He was not there for talking either. Right. So that was two lads just knew each other. But uh, it's in the blood. So you, did, blood. you didn't even have to say anything to him. I didn't have to say it. I said, even after I said, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> he was ready to kill you. To you. Oh, he was time. ready, and he was giving me no warnings. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Um, we sh- we should get into the the match, I guess, um, tomorrow or on Sunday. So, like even from from chatting to people like Kenny the last day or two. There's an air of confidence, maybe maybe a level above the confidence of last year's final. I feel like uh, maybe it's because Limerick have have been shown to maybe not be the Limerick team that they were. They, you know, I think before the semi final they hadn't won a game by more than two points. Do you know they even lost to Clare earlier in the year as well. So they're not infallible this Limerick team, and maybe that that leads to the confidence. Yeah, well, they'll have to go very well, you know. Um, they'll have to go really like it's. I don't know what the odds in the bookies are at, but um, I think I heard Joe talking about it the other day. It's probably yeah. not good. And um, the big danger, I suppose, for Kilkenny is that Limerick have they're probably over their their, their bad patch in Munster. They were stumbling along, but after twenty five minutes against Galway, they worked it out and they were just incredible. The biggest thing with that Limerick team is they have so many stars, mm-hmm. just really top class nine out ten, ten out ten stars. You hold down one of them. Like, you know, Seamus Flanagan was quite enough the last day. Galan is kind of the man at the moment. Mm. You hold down Galan, suddenly Flanagan is incredible. Yeah. Like, Gerard Hegarty's, you know, exploits in all Ireland finals is, is off the charts. You know, like the last three or four all Ireland finals, he's been just unbelievable after quite semi-finals. Mm. And the worry then is, like, he's after being quite enough, uh, you know, this year so far. Is he going to just explode in the final? 
Uh, Keen Lynch is after coming back, you know, he was on and off the team, injuries, suddenly he was captain the last day, back to his best. So for Kilkenny to, to, to go well, um, like if you cast back to the, to, to the league final, um, we thought we had a great chance that day as yeah. well. And they absolutely hammered us like really in the league final. So things left to go well, but I think the first um, part of the call will be to have to push up and puck outs and push up and go 15 on 15. Mm. And that's not the traditional 15 on 15. If Limerick go back with 8 or 10 in defence, I think we have to go up with him. We have to learn from Clare down below on the Gaelic grounds. Thought they were brilliant with their tactics. And um, they, they won that day. I'll be, be only a pint or two in the end, but I think they showed the way to beat Limerick. And I think if they'll have to, for, they have to do that to get a chance. One of the areas that everybody's talking about at the minute is obviously Declan Hannan. He didn't play in the semi-final. We saw Willow Donoghue push to midfield that day. Mm-hmm. How big of a loss would Declan be if he if he doesn't play? Yeah, well, it's it's like anything. Like when you have a great team, it's 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 the loss isn't the, uh, as major as it would be on a, a team with maybe you know only a couple of superstars. Mm-hmm. Like remember when JJ Laney got injured a week or two before 2006 all Ireland fine it was like the end of the world like you know and because JJ was you know absolutely our best defender ever and um, up there with Henry you know and say TJ and and and, and DJ even you know for, for being the best players probably ever played for Kilkenny and that car team was unbelievable you know 2004 or 5 they were going for the three in a row and they were the hottest of favourites and we couldn't live with them in 0-4 we didn't even get to the final in 0-5 and now we were missing our you know one or two best players and Brian Cody came in and I was just listening man you know he had huge respect for Jesus but was like man in another lad comes back out and I think that Limerick team were the very same we seen it with Sean Finn Sean Finn is gone Mike Casey comes in yeah. um, we seen it last year with Keane Lynch you know yeah. so they're able to it's next man up it's that's next. the mm. mentality that they have yeah unbelievable isn't it the Limerick yeah. psyche even the way they've, they've adopted players like that even chatting to like Eamon Cregan yesterday and he was talking about Declan Hannan even back in the day I hadn't realised this playing in you know Fitzgibbon finals and popping balls over the bar I think he scored 110 or something in a, in a final like he's one of these players that just is, is adaptable to different positions which is a big loss for, for a team like Limerick and it's not just that it's the le- leadership qualities he has yeah and he's he's able to the, the lads are able to attack Damon Burns even though it, he just goes up as far as maybe midfield but he's shooting 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 mm-hmm. and over another side you have Kyle Hayes he's really up and down so he can kind of do it giving a free rein on that wing under when they're playing down to the Davin it's along the Cusack stand you'll see him up and down it could be anywhere and Hannon you see gives them the ability to do that because yeah. he sits in the middle the old school centre back and you know you don't need huge amount of pace you don't you just need to be able to read the game and he's there for everybody mm. and um, you know a few of the great defenders that we played we used to always say you never defend on your own you defend together and Hannon is kind of that link man like I think it was Peter Barry said it there years ago that and he was a centre back as well and just going around hovering around tracking back and that's what Hannon does as well mm. so albeit you'll see him going up and scoring you'll see him distributing the ball but he's a huge outlet for the other defenders that they can attack they can take the risk of going for a ball for the fear that if it does go behind Hannon is round covering so he'll be a huge loss mm-hmm. in that way but they're probably you know it's probably player for player as in regards Will Dunne who would be similar enough he doesn't attack a whole lot he's mostly going around defending and helping out with other players so you know he's I suppose a good replacement you need sort of your best players firing on the biggest day if you look at Aaron Galan and <coughs> what form he's been in it's unbelievable it's probably you Lawler going to pick him up 
Yeah, you'd imagine Hugh Lawler, and then like it depends on the the whole match. You have, you have Peter Casey, you have um, Shamie Flanagan, and you have Galan. So last year to put. Bring them all back in market for you. <laughs> yeah. But I, I suppose last year, you know, they put, I'd say, young Tommy over on Flanagan, Mikey Butler went out because Peter Casey tends to travel around a bit, uh, like Tony Kelly will say. So it seems that Mikey Butler picks up him. So if they go by last year, yeah, yeah. I'd say Hugh Lawler pick up Galan. Hugh Lawler has the pace and he has the power in the air what does Galan where does he get most of his scores tipping out either corner and uh, usually out to the, we'll say the right hand corner where number 13 is usually back over the left shoulder you know on, on his left hand side over the bar well Hugh Lawler has the pace to get out there so you'd be hoping that he'd be able to track them runs the other one which we've seen that magical catch in the semi-final like Dotty Burke has anyone ever caught a ball hitting over <laughs> Dotty Burke before and he just came in like his unbelievable strength but with his speed of thought and speed of feet he was able to get in behind him at the last second like no full back ever really gets caught in, in front of his man and especially Dahi Burke but he was making so many runs that it's just what happened on the day and but I think Hugh Lawler will be able for the high ball he's so tall as well Yeah. and uh, he is brilliant in the air like and as you said big big players step up in big days like how many All-Ireland finals have been decided in the past like you go back to 95 Eamon Taff Taff came on yeah. scored a goal and went back off again like they were about to take him off I think by all counts in 95 yeah. next minute he scores the goal and uh, Clare win the All-Ireland like Taggy in 0-6 uh, Shamie Callanan for, for Tipperary in 16 like the All-Ireland final performances are huge if one player can step up and just put in a magical performance. Even Joel Canning wasn't all in final, was not in semi final. We were looking at it last night uh, and some of his best moments, that point he scored. Like, against Tip? Yeah, yeah. To, to win it underneath the Cusick. Like, how many, not many players can score that. Yeah. It takes players. And they won the all Ireland final. Was that one of the reasons? Of course it was. And you'd be hoping maybe on the like go back to 2018 when, when Limerick won Nicky Quaid's mm. little dive and flick on, on Harnedy. And uh, we're kind of hoping that maybe old Murphy's, you know, they're saying yeah. it's one of the saves of the century. Or Conor Fogarty's block in the first half. Or Conor Fogarty's. Could that be? Could we look back maybe after victory on, on Sunday and say, this is where we won it? The, the, the referee is going to be massively important, you'd imagine, in terms of letting the game flow. Fan Larkin name checked John Keenan yesterday. I think it's John's first time refereeing in Ireland, Ireland final, but like yeah. by all accounts, he is definitely a referee that that lets the game flow. Shifty lad, one of our regular commenters, has said this morning, uh, lads, John Keane is refereeing the hurling final on Sunday. He has to retire as he's in his fifties. Why? He's a very fit guy, always was, and a tough fella back in the day. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, good Ochre man. As a county, we're all proud of it too. Seeing it's not a traditional hurling county. He wasn't a bad player himself. Enjoy it, uh, but that's going to be crucial, isn't it? The likes of Keane is a referee who. He does let the game flow, so I'd expect a, a pretty good match for that reason as well. Yeah, and um, that's an interesting point that he was a pretty good player himself. Mm. And I of, often find that, like with the referees, if they play the game themselves, they can understand some of the tackles and some of the moves that it doesn't look as bad as it as it has done on television. Yeah. And Keenan definitely referees that because if you have to go for the ball like a slight little sidestep one way or the other, you're in bother. And that makes perfect sense if he was a good player because he understands from the other side of the fence. Yes. These are guys like you have to understand these are guys in all their final that have done everything their whole lives to play in this game. This is their dream, it's the dream of their brothers, their sisters, their families. And he's proud as a as a Wicklam and Knockerman of John Keenan. Yeah. The players 
clubs are so proud of him yeah. that that's their man it's usually that's our lad that's what the, the way they would talk about him on match day and um, so I think the great referees understand a player can make a mistake to understand the difference in a player making a mistake and intentionally going out to do something mm. is huge and I find the great referees are able to make that decision on the day and he, John Keane is definitely definitely one of them and I was a little bit worried that when he got the final that because he refereed such a great Munster final last year yeah. and didn't get a game after that would he be worried the same thing had happened again but as you, I didn't realise this is his last game so he can go off yeah. and he might get the, the whistle and throw it up yeah, yeah. true <laughs> yeah. Oh, good which by the way is, is a ridiculous if anyone from the G has any sense like the fact that he has to retire at 50 because he's 50 like these referees should it should be based on the fitness, fitness test alone absolutely like, you could be the fittest 60 year old yeah compared to a lad in, uh, in his 40s who can't run yeah. Do you know, so I, I think it's farcical that John Keenan has to hang up the whistle. I'd love to hear his thoughts on it after the match, even. Uh, but I know a couple of referees have a bone of contention with that. Um, you, you mentioned like the, how, how important it is to the club this week, Tommy. Even I was, in, I was down at St Patrick's uh, in Limerick City yesterday, uh, Groot Hegarty's club, uh, just up the road from where Jer still lives, and like there's Groot Hegarty flags everywhere, and it, it's, it's so specific to, to each player. But how does that feel when you're a when you're in in, in All Ireland final week and, and you see your name on? posters around Tullerone or whatever it is and, and you know that all the focus is on the game I guess you're trying to distract yourself the whole week and think of anything but the match yeah um, like the usually usually the my all all earned final preparation would be if if the game comes into your head you might think about it for maybe a couple of minutes mm. early in the week a Monday or Tuesday maybe what you know who you're going to be marking on the day and what way he kind of plays and you know you'd measure it up for for because I always found that it went on instinct anyway what you were doing for the last year in training mm. is what usually did a match day even if you came up with a new plan on the day but you'd watch a player and see but that would be early in the week and after that <clears throat> the way I used to just do it is once because as you said it's grand keeping it out of your head but then you see a flag or see your name somewhere <laughs> so what I used to let it do was just I'd let it, I wouldn't be afraid of it as in say oh damn I need to stop looking at this I let it in and out that's the way I looked at it. I used to come in this way and out that way. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but it worked for me. <laughs> and it just stopped you getting nervous. You got that little flutter for the 30 seconds, yeah. you know, 10 seconds, 5 seconds. But that allowed you to just get on with it. But, you know, it's just like if you watch Spider-Man or Batman, these guys with the, you know, these senses that just slow down everything. <laughs> well, all our finals were like that. Like, you didn't need to pump yourself up for an Ireland final. Any final, really, even if it was a blitz or a cup, you know, a final at home in training or anything. If it was the name before it was final, you yeah. just became razor sharp. There was, your mind just suddenly just, you know, you just became alive. And that's what I used to love about the finals, was that you prepared all year, and this was it then. But because you prepared for an Ireland final, and like, say you looked at Welsh Cup final, this is the be all and end all. Mm. You were prepared. And come final week then it just went in the in the space of a second like and I always felt it an all final itself like while it was a 70 minute game maybe 75 minute game I always looked at it as about 15 minutes aside because that's what it felt like it just and goes so you fast you were kept busy as well with your, your book and your tickets and all the the parade that used everything. to go on with it you used to tell me that <laughs> yeah I had a diary and working Sunday whatever it was it was usually the first Sunday in September so if you asked me Ashling or Shane asked me for a ticket you went down in the book and I didn't have to think about it after that <laughs> so you got in so many tickets then and they couldn't give out the tickets and um, over to Mammy then and she looked after <laughs> the rest of it so she was brilliant took all the heat off right. off of me and getting the tickets wasn't really 
the hardest part was good tickets. Yeah. So like you know, you tell a lot of thirty in the Hogan stand. After so every months, they, yeah. they don't take what they're given. Final, just take whatever. Tickets you just have to given. send them a warrant. But if you didn't send them the warrant, say listen and get your ticket. But oh, you can't. If I, if I get you, you know, tickets in the middle of the Hogan, I get them for yeah. you. Yeah. But I can't decide that. Yeah. And like you tell a lad, here you are in the Upper Davin. Oh, the Upper Davin. <laughs> You're you in Park. He's so disappointed, and you know, and, ah, I can understand it. I'm the same myself, and I was asking a cousin of mine played soccer there. And, where you'd be asking for tickets, make sure it's a good ticket. Now you're telling us, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that person, I was that person, like you know, and I know it's it it brilliant. Um, do you miss it all, Tommy? Well, well sure, Edwina and my cousin Edwina works for KCLR, and um, another granddaughter of Hattie Grace, but you know, great, great uh, at her job. And she we were at it at the opening of a house in Tullerone there for for, for people, and um, a few weeks ago, and she was just asking me that, did I miss it? And it's just, they didn't play in 10 years. Yeah. That's <laughs> so actually mad. It's a long time, you know. Yeah, 2013 was that, was sub in 14, and 2013, so 10 years. So, do I miss it? Listen, I know I can't play, really, so <laughs> I don't miss if I'd love to be able to still play, but, you know. So, you're, I've heard that's you're, you're still times. decent enough at club level, I've heard from, mm. so that's the word in the grapevine anyway down there. Uh, finally, predictions. Tommy, how do you see the game going? Well, I said it last night, so I'm not sure if anyone was listening last <laughs> night, but. We went for the double last year. <laughs> we won the football. We went New York in the final. And um, we got beaten in the hurling. So this year, unfortunately, Christy Welch and his troops they did great again. They got to the final, but they were pipped pip- by New York mm. this year. So hopefully we'll win the hurling this year. So I'm going to go with the Cats. A couple of points. Yeah. Tight game. Tommy, listen, enjoy the match. Best of luck. Yeah. On Thanks, Sunday. Tommy. Great stuff, as always, from Tommy Welch there on OTB and the Sports Breakfast Showing off the ball. 8.59 approaching on this Friday morning show. We're turning our attention back uh, to matters football. We're delighted to have Ashley Meany, the Galway United next Irish international on the line. Morning, Ashley. How are things? All good. How are you? Keeping well. Keeping well. Thanks a million for for popping on with us. Um, we have you on because there's a, a big game taking place this Sunday. Another one, aside from the hurling final, uh, 23rd of July, 3 p.m. in the showgrounds in uh, Sligo Town, the Avenir Sports All Ireland Cup Final. So your own Galway United playing Cliftonville. Galway drawn as the away team in this game so Cliftonville in their red home kit yourselves in the, in the green away kit uh, I know you are sending as a club uh, supporters buses uh, and all up to this game a really really unbelievable occasion to look forward to Yeah it's going to be an exciting one you know it's um, the girls have been putting in so much work all year round so I think it's somewhere where we definitely deserve to be so it's uh, it'll be a, a great day out and um, another opportunity to show what we have and what we're able to do so um, I'm very excited for it I think we can go all the way you know the girls are they've been brilliant and they've just been so brave with everything so far so I really think it's a, it'll be a great day and I think we can go all the way with it Yeah Ashton it's great to have this competition as well you know you don't often get to play some of the, the Nordy teams as well, but it's great that you know they're all getting to play against each other and you're getting to see their level as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a brand new competition this year. It's something we haven't done before. So it's just um, something else that's exciting. Um, it's nice that we can like mix those teams as well, um, just to see a bit more um, the quality that's up north as well. So um, it's been very good so far. I know it's the first year. I'm not sure what if it's happening again next year, but um, it's been it's an, been an exciting um, cup so far. So I'm just delighted that it's us in the final. <laughs> you would have had time across in uh, in the US as well, Ashley, with uh, with Akron. Um, what was that experience like? Because I get, I, I'm sure it was an unbelievable life experience, even aside from the from the footballing side of things. 
Yeah, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed my time. You know, when I first went out there, I didn't think that I'd be staying for the four years. I'd said oh, I'd give it first year and see how it goes. But did, decided to stay. You know, it's an, it's a brilliant opportunity opportunity to be able to you know, co- combine the education and soccer as well. Um, so I, I had a, a great experience out there. It's different. You know, uh, the college life over there is different to anything I've experienced in Ireland. So it's something completely different. So I'm just glad that I had that opportunity. And you're, you're talking like very, very hot summers. Uh, that's in the Midwest of America. So like that must have taken some getting used to because even playing football in that would be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, at the start, yeah, I wasn't really used to those hot temperatures. Our pre-seasons were August time. So I spent the month in pre-season and it was upwards of 30, 32 degrees. So that was something to get used to at the start. But you do, you climatize, you get used to it over over time. And then being in Akron, Ohio, we have the hot summers, but then come the springtime, it was snow. So then that was the next thing to get used to, you know, um, really cold temperatures. So, um, but again, like the the facilities and things over there were amazing. So we were fortunate enough to have indoor fields. So at least we could use that when it was extremely cold outside. Um, Where do you think at the minute, Ashlyn, the the League of Ireland is the whole? Do you feel like there's maybe better buzz about teams this year maybe more coverage I definitely felt it any of the games that I got out to anyway oh yeah completely I mean just over the years um, when I was coming back between America and Ireland I could see the improvements that were being made in, in the league it's brilliant to see it's it's where it should be headed and uh, yeah the coverage is definitely picking up I think it's it's what we need um, it, it, it does create a buzz and it just makes it more exciting um, even like coming back into the Galway United setup, you know it's just a lot more professional, even having like the likes of the social media team on board, just pushing for like this, the All Island Cup, the final. It's it's been it's been brilliant, and so I just hope it keeps heading in that direction. And you were with Treaty United before, so that they, I'm sure there's a a nice healthy rivalry between Treaty and Galway, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, we're we're fairly close geographically, so. Um, it is. I think it's nice and healthy. It's good to have it. It's just another, you know, something that's exciting to look forward to. Those little rivalries. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 just another thing to add to the game that makes it a bit more exciting. You've got the the Irish caps under your belt as well. Like I, I'm sure you'd love to add to that. Um, what what was that like when you're when you're first getting the call up to the Irish team? I think it was under Colin Bell. You got your your first cap. So that that experience and that phone call or text must be a life changing moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I haven't played with the underage teams. It's it's. I think it was a, a different setup completely, going from the under 19s up to the seniors. A completely different setup. It's a, a lot more professional. Um, it was it was amazing just to have those opportunities and um, experiences under my belt. I think has made has been really good for my personal career. Um, so yeah, just um, being able to travel all over Europe and to play with the likes of the girls who are in the World Cup right now, that uh, it, was, it was amazing. You would have won even when you entered the league uh, first. So it was it 2017? Uh, so you began with the Lifford Ladies, you joined Galway in 2017 and you, get, you have the League Player of the Month award, I think, in, in May 2018. You're on the League Team of the Year. So like to coin the Michael Richards phrase, you burst onto the scene in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I, I think just stepping up into the League of Ireland, coming from my local team, Lifford and Ennis, it was, again, you know, you're on a, a bigger stage and I was just buzzing. I was so excited. Um, so I just wanted to kind of show everything I had. Um, you have a lot more exposure at that level. So, you know, 
um, games where you have like Irish scouts coming to games. It's it was just um, something that I, it was an opportunity that I needed to just grab and just loads of excitement playing with a team like that. So um, yeah, it was uh, I had a good start at it, so I was I was happy with that. And have you had much conversations with? Vera Pau or has that any ever been a thing I'm sure you'd obviously love to to get back there yeah no not much I mean last year um during the summer months um I was involved a little bit with the home base training so haven't had a lot of contact or communication in that regard but yeah absolutely like um, I'm finishing out my master's at the moment I'm back home so it's something I definitely would be um interested I would love to be involved in that setup again you know it's it's the biggest honour you can have in football representing your country so that's where um, that's I'm putting my focus towards that and just keep working head down doing the doing the, the right things at each and every day so it would definitely would be such an honour again if, if I had that opportunity Oh absolutely and what is it like at the minute to watch the girls in a World Cup? Uh, it's, it's brilliant I'm, I'm so proud of them I'm just it's just the being on the world stage it's, it's unbelievable and I think they're doing their country so proud like even the game yesterday, I think they've they've so many things to be proud of. It was a, I think it was a, a positive experience for them. Lots of positives to take from it. I know it was um, probably a little disappointing. We didn't get at least a point out of the game, but they showed how they can fight and they can put up a battle. And I think it's a performance they should be proud of. Even when you see the young, like we were talking about Abby Larkin earlier, at eighteen years of age to be lining out in, in a, at a World Cup, such an experience for someone of that age, isn't it, Ashley? Yeah, I know. And I think she handled it really well. You know, it's, it's an Im- immense amount of pressure at that age, stepping up onto the world stage. But I think she did brilliantly and she really took the opportunity with both hands and she had some really positive moments throughout the game. So I think uh, she should definitely be proud of herself for that. And it's a team of leaders as well. Like Katie McCabe, Denise O'Sullivan, these these players with such experience, we almost forget that they're not going to be overall by an occasion. Of course, it's the first time they've ever played at a World Cup, but it's still... So much experience, even the likes of Katie playing in Champions League games, big ones as well at that. So probably no wonder that they weren't overawed by the occasion. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at the likes of Katie McCabe and many other players on the on the team, they're playing with Arsenal and the likes of that. Um, you know, they're they're big pressurized games and playing alongside other European and world players. It's um, it's top class stuff. So I think they handle it really well. I don't think they let the pressure get to them. I know it's. It's a, it can be a very pressurised situation with the huge crowds. It's loud, and I think they did a great job of just blocking out the noise, focusing on the task at hand, and getting through it. We had uh, we were talking Rashida Adelecki on the show. Uh, obviously, basically every week we talk about Rashida Adelecki on the show because she does something amazing. Uh, but she would have had decisions to make as a kid. Even basketball was was on the table for her, and obviously has to ultimately choose the athletics. For you, was it a decision in in school to, to focus on the soccer? I know you would have played. County level Gaelic football, for example, underage with Clare. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was kind of I was always playing soccer and Gaelic football for many years. They were kind of my two main sports. And then towards the end of secondary school, you know, it was it was kind of a decision that I, I had to personally make heading into college. I knew taking on college as well was going to be um another task. So for me, I, I chose to go with soccer. Um I knew that um, I could possibly one day take that overseas, you know, and I had the opportunity to go to America and finish out my college over there. So um, it was something I, yeah, I had to decide at that stage, like if I'm I'm going to commit, I'm going to commit fully. So I'm going to have to put all my time and focus into the one area. So I was about 17, I think, when I made that decision to go all in with soccer. And that's when I stepped up into the League of Ireland and then 
with college and the Irish team, it all kind of kicked off then. Well, you're keeping Claire on the map, you're keep, keeping Ennis on the map. I know you've probably been following on your Donegan's exploits as well. The, oh, yeah. The amateur golfer yeah. is, and like, for, to see a Claire woman yeah. do do what she's doing, an Ennis woman as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm Yeah, it's it's unreal what she's doing. I know she's over with LSU, uh, an amazing college over in America. And um, what she's been doing as, as an amateur is unbelievable. And I I wish her the best of luck. I really hope her career flourishes because she's been doing so well so far. So it's been brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. She's flying it. Well, yeah, listen, incredible. Uh, unbelievable. Ashley, uh, it's the Avenir Sports All-Ireland Cup final Sunday, this Sunday, at the showground in Sligo Town, if anyone wants to head along. 3pm kickoff. your own Galway United playing Cliftonville so Ashin, brilliant stuff thanks for hopping on and best of luck on that game on Sunday thank you very much thanks for having me brilliant stuff Ashton Meany there of Galway United and of course there's a couple of Irish international caps as well at 9.09am on this Friday morning's O2BAM the sports breakfast show on Off The Ball time to turn our attention to John Duggan John good morning Shane and Ashton, how are we doing? flying it flying it and uh, the Open is well underway in the swing of things from an Irish perspective, do we have anything to get excited about just yet? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is Rory going to... So, probably disappointed with his opening round, is it fair to say? Well, he was trying to accentuate the positives on Sky, folks, but I would think he'd have to be a little bit disappointed that he didn't shoot under par. 30 players were under par yesterday at Hoylake at Liverpool, and he's five shots off the lead. Three birdies, three bogeys. I felt his body language wasn't great. He didn't have that... Pep of the step that you know Rory has that he had at the Scottish Open last week at certain times and he just looked frustrated out there didn't think the short game was as sharp as it could be uh, some of the putting didn't get going until the back nine so he's even par as is Seamus Power Alex Maguire the amateur at LA 10 Betty 10 one over par really good from him mm. Shane Larry one over that'd be disappointing especially because he made a six on one of the easiest holes the par 5 15th Darren Clark two over Portia Carrington three over par uh, it's cold, it's windy there this morning at Royal Liverpool and, for example, Emiliano Grillo from Argentina who is tied for the lead with Tommy Fleetwood and the amateur player. So Lamprecht, is Yes. Uh, Grillo's just made a double bogey on the second. Mm. So he's got back to three under par. When I was looking at the contenders that are playing well, like Fleetwood is a very... Uh, this to me is a bit... Uh, I felt it was quite a tricky course yesterday. There are six out-of-band holes... Uh, with the driver uh, that out of the 14, which can cause danger. So, for example, Phil Mickelson took an 8 on the last. Justin Thomas took a 9 on the last. Now, he got into trouble in bunkers. The bunkers are almost like water hazards. <laughs> They're very treacherous. You saw Rory McIlroy trying to uh, extricate himself from a bunker there on 18 yesterday, and he looked like he was doing Twister. <laughs> so, uh, the bunkers are penal. Um, there's going to be some horror stories, I think, over the next few days. And... This was a course that yielded an 18 under par winning total for Tiger Woods in 2006 and a 17 under par total for Rory McIlroy in 2014. They've taken one shot off the par up to 71. I think it's a trickier course. They've created a new hole completely on the 17th, uh, a par three that has once again a very difficult bunker to the right of it. And I think that it could be a test of patience. Most of the golfers I saw up there yesterday, the leaderboard, were tidy strategy-based players like Brian Harmon, a tidy player, mm. Max Home, a tidy um, Stuart Sink, a past winner of it. Wyndham Clark, the US Open champion, three under par. Uh, Jordan Spieth, if you're looking for the bigger names, is two under. That was a good start from him. Then on one under, we had the likes of Brooks Kepka, Patrick Hantley, Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, Xander Schauffele, all on one under par. There was a stat on the BBC that said only two players since 1970 have won the Open from over five shots back after round one. So that would not bode well 
for the performances of Cameron Smith, Conor Marikawa, John Ram, for example, Ram three over par. So it's wide open, but Tommy Fleetwood has got six top fives in majors. He's from the area, from Liverpool. Mm. Um, he's the Beatle of the area. Mm. Second at Portrush by Shane Larry in 2019 and has played well in the last couple of months uh, in the top five of the US Open, in the top ten at, at the Scottish Open last week. And he is a very accurate player. I think Tommy Fleetwood at the moment, you'd have to think, is a favourite. Yeah. It'll be hard for Rory to do back-to-back victories, obviously, after that impressive win in the Scottish Open. Yes, and the f- issue is that he's gone into a major, he hasn't won a major in nine years, and this is the place he won the major. He would have been hoping for a two to three under par round. He has to, now he's well capable of getting that uh, Pied Piper walk into uh, his his gate and making a few early birdies. And it's all about momentum with him. So I think he does, the problem is he's got to brave the elements. So, so he can't get into a position where he's, he drops a couple of shots and the head goes down, and uh, you can see it in his in his facial expressions. He he can't hide him what he feels. But if he gets a couple of birdies, maybe post two to three under today, that could look very good by the end of the day. He tees off a second round. I think he's first of the Irish out nine fifty eight a.m. Right, this yeah. morning. So, uh, if you're up early this morning, you can or not even early. It's not early anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, at least you can watch him uh, out on the course like that. That. Momentum you take from the first round into the second, John. You, the 18th for Rory yesterday, the par five, finds the bunker beside the green, needs two shots to escape the the sand, uh, and then he holds his nerve from 10 feet to to save par. But it's funny, something like that, as as little as that, could have been a disaster for him, and yet he he, he saves it with a 10 foot putt. So that could be the impetus that he needs for the second round. Well, it's such a mental game that. Anybody's going to talk themselves up in their own head. Oh, well, that was a great save that I made. And uh, that means I can, I'm going to feel good about that. And people are trying to get the negative stuff out of their mind. It's all about the mental side because a lot of it, it they're so good, these guys, it's on autopilot for them. Mm-hmm. But this is a major championship. Uh, thoughts and swirl around. And you don't want the thoughts to become uh, oppressive in your mind. And then you start making mistakes. Like how will Emiliano Grillo now respond to what he's just done on the second hole. Mm. And there are big numbers out there, and that's what are going to make this a bit of a Hollywood uh, drama Sunday afternoon, because it isn't quite intriguing. But uh, you, you just can't get too far behind. Uh, and what all these things, the quality of the leaderboard is not that strong, really, at the top of the moment. But Tommy Fleetwood is interesting in that he met, missed the cut there in 2014 at yeah. Hoylake, but is a much better player now. Only in his early 30s, we remember the... Was it the Mollywood, uh, Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood at the Ryder Cup in Paris? Um, he's such an accurate player and well-liked on the tour and has had really good performances in majors and maybe this is his time after finishing second behind chain a few years ago. But there's still four, 54 holes of golf to be played, a lot of golf to be played, a lot of twists and turns in the tail. But I would expect more from Shane Lowry yesterday and just don't think it might be our week. You know. You mentioned Alex McGuire. Uh, yeah. Great meet, man. Mm. Uh, amateur there performing uh, doing really good things uh, has to be said at the tournament so booked his place he, after winning the St Andrews Lynx Trophy he's only 22 he birdied, birdied the the 15th and the 18th both par 5s a really good showing from him you look at the leaderboard like he's he's only a shot behind McElroy and Power well the, the, unfortunately from the South African players viewpoints that he Lampact Lampact is 5 under so there's a silver medal for the leading amateur which Rory McElroy. Um, I believe one in 2007 mm. uh, when he was a young lad at, at Carnoustie uh, behind Padraig Harrington when he won the tournament. So what Alex Maguire will be looking to do is, is post a, a good number this week and obviously make the cut. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want an 80 today. Um, approach shots let him down yesterday in terms of the sats, but 
uh, for 22 years of age. It's a marvelous experience for him, and he's playing golf that he's used to. I suppose that's yeah. isn't it? It's like for the Irish players, you'd expect them to do well because this is what they this is their bread and butter. Whereas from an American point of view, some of them haven't a clue how to play it. Some of them embrace it, like Wyndham Clark has talked about how much he, he loves links golf and playing here in Ireland. Uh, but other players just just can't get their heads around it at all. Um, I was just going through the the leaderboard on the other side of it, for example, uh, when you go down, right down the bottom. Um, Jorge Campillo 11 over par Justin Thomas has lost his form completely 11 over mm. um, you know so he's um, looking at Sahid Tagala 8 over par really talented player in America Davis Roddy 7 over Chris Kirk 7 over some of them sometimes just can't get to grips with the unique challenges of the patience required because in the United States it's all target golf it's all this is exactly what you need to do um, high balls onto the mm. fairway high approach shots and slick putting greens where this is all about more the elements and the defense of any uh, links course is the wind and the rain and the and the cold weather. Um, the pin positions are difficult, mm. so I think you could have a a bit of a, a, a gritty, tricky test this weekend for the golfers. It's great television. Sky done an amazing job. Like six thirty-five yesterday morning, and there was I was watching like a nine o'clock last night, and it is just fantastic coverage. I know sometimes people might crib that it's not on terrestrial, but when they do go onto the pay channels, these 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 companies can really really deliver quality coverage mm. and quality commentators and great vistas. Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's nine years ago since, you know, Rory McIlroy with the claret jug and all those pictures that went round and the unbelievable scenes. It doesn't feel like that. Oh, it's insane. No. He brought, he brought the claret jug to Old Trafford and wore probably the ugliest suit I've ever seen. Maybe he's paying for wearing that <laughs> suit. It was a tar- Tarsian special. It was a horrific suit. Horrendous. So maybe the, the, the suit, God, maybe he needs to wear a great suit after the next major to break the curse yeah yeah exactly uh, John great stuff Thanks enjoy for the weekend enjoy the hurling Ashley. yes cannot Absolutely. wait John you going John I am good brilliant. stuff brilliant hopefully a good seat as Tommy we were talking about the importance of good seats in Croker there Tommy Welsh uh, 9.18am on this Friday morning's OTBM the sports breakfast show from off the ball here are some highlights coming up on the OTB podcast network across today we've got the brand new Koi Gig pod looking back on the match yesterday player reaction as well with Lucy Quinn and Kira Carusa keep an eye on the feed for more player reaction as well to come and Ellen Keane who announced that she will retire after the Paris Paralympics after this short break we'll chat through my trips to Limerick and Kenny and preview the hurling you're listening to OTB AM 9.20am approaching on Friday morning's OTB and the Sports Breakfast Show and Off the Ball I had an experience like you yesterday I have so much respect for what you do in terms of reporting across the country the driving the miles the driving the stress the tiredness the logistics of it all yeah because you're trying to organise interviews in location A then you have to get to location B by a certain time you're trying to work out I'd say you spend half your life on Google Maps yeah, well, I don't always have to do that. I normally go to the game and I do my post-match but, interviews and all that, so it's a bit easier. What you were doing was a lot tougher. But you had a busy two days. It was busy. Yeah, Jesus, I was I was in Kilkenny, so p- some people will have heard some of the Kilkenny content on yesterday morning's show, yeah. but um, like Eddie Kerr, I'd encourage anyone to watch that that, that video with, with an absolute legend, but also Fan Larkin and Joe Hennessy, the chat I was t- chatting to Tommy about, like... Two absolute characters, just old school. Raw hurling <laughs> Proper men. Proper raw hurling men. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. I was in I was in Limerick yesterday and like it was such a treat. I sat down in the, the Castle Troy Park Hotel with Eamon Cregan, uh, an absolute legend of the game. Used to be do some some unbelievable scoring for Limerick. So I was made the drive through rural Kilkenny into Limerick yesterday. It was it was lovely actually. Um out the Erlingford to Johnstown Road from Kilkenny City over towards Murrow to jo- uh, Joe Quaid's house. Uh, but Eamon Cregan, I met him and like He's just such a nice man. <laughs> such a nice man. Still playing golf. Like he must be into his late seventies 
at least aiming at this stage um, but he was a Limerick legend part of that 73 winning All-Ireland team as a player but then in 94 he's managing awfully in an All-Ireland Senior Hurling final against Limerick which must have been the strangest experience ever because he talked about coming out and, and the Limerick fans to be fair didn't boo him Yeah, he's obviously a Limerick legend but he's managing his na- against his native county in the Lord um, final. Like this is '94, so it had been 21 years. So it was a famine at that point. The Limerick hadn't won in All Ireland, and he is all of a sudden managing a team trying to stop them stop again. Stop it, yeah. So Jeez, it, that is tough. It was, it was. He said it was stressful, and and then five minutes to play, his Offaly team were five points down. Limerick looked like they've broken the, the the gap, and what happened in the last five minutes? Offaly just flicked a switch and just turned it on. Uh, but I asked this first clip that we're going to play here from, and the, and the full interviews are going to be on, on youtube.com forward slash off the ball today. Clips across our social media channels as well. But Ian McCregan talking about managing Offaly against his native Limerick. Have a look. At the full time whistle of that one, how did you feel? Because I, I guess you're a, you're a Limerick man managing an Offaly team to beat Limerick in a final, which is such a bizarre situation to be in, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know how I looked at it. First of all, when we, we walked onto the field, both Derry and myself, Derry O'Donovan and myself, walked onto the field, nobody booed us. Now, in a situation where a Limerick man is looking after another, another team and playing against Limerick, you can get a certain amount of, crowd, of the crowd having a go. Mm. Nobody had a go at us. And that, that struck in my mind the whole time. And uh, when it happened, you see, it was a, a number of consequences. Uh, Limerick made a very bad move in taking um, Gerard Hegarty out of centre-back mm. because, not Gerard, Ger Hegarty, Gerard's yes. father, out of centre-back because he dominated the three Three half the three positions he he went behind and when they went down the, the left wing he went and covered back there and he covered centre back and he covered right half back and he we couldn't get the ball past him mm. there was a switch made then with one of the players and Ger, Ger went to centre field and then suddenly the half back line opened up and we we started playing awfully we're a fine hurling side you see and um, but the feeling I had was mm, it was a bit of a downer in one sense that um, here I was hoping that Limerick would win in All-Ireland and having won one in 73 and then we had the famine which lasted 45 years now I don't know how anybody could survive 45 years but we, we did and um, I'm there in charge of a, an Offaly team that wins that beats Limerick in the final Yeah, it must have been a really strange experience for Amy McCreegan I mean, I, yeah, I can't imagine man, I can't I can't. I can barely watch modern matches you can imagine trying to manage against them it would be awful difficult Joe Quaid was, by the way, the Limerick goalkeeper that day and um, like an unbelievable experience for him I suppose in 94 the disappointment and he said he only that disappointment only left him in 2018 watching on from, from, from the stands in Croke Park in that last 8 minutes of injury time which he said were the longest of his life uh, but this is Joe I met Joe at his house in Murrow in Limerick yesterday morning and uh, he spoke about the impact of that 94 loss it, that, that final I guess is, is a perfect example of obviously yourselves it's probably tough to talk about when you're on the wrong side of it but it's a perfect example of an all-in final when you can't you can't switch off. I remember hearing a story from you. It could have been in your Lake Regate episode where you talked about, you know, you had someone behind your goals who was going to take the hurls away from you, for you, you know, late on if the game was over. But I think you were five points ahead with five minutes left. Yeah. And, and But you, you had a feeling maybe that, that awfully weren't dead and buried it just yet. Yeah, there was just something that day. I remember he came over and he said, I'll take our hurlies. And I just said to him, this isn't over yet. Um, I, I should have probably given them to him. <laughs> <laughs> Manifested. Yeah, um, but look, we were we were comfortable, we were cruising, and then what happened just happened so quickly. Um, but I, I had a point with uh, Gerard Hegarty's father, George, there a few 
about six or eight weeks ago and we we were laughing that uh, I said these days I said a quick puck out from McQuaid to Hegarty and they lauded as heroes I said we did it 30 odd years ago I said and we were two villains <laughs> I said so I said rather than being villains Jory I said we can put ourselves down as market leaders it just took 30 years to catch on that uh, I remember being at that Limerick Cork semi-final in 18 when Nicky your cousin of course makes that unbelievable save towards the end and the final of course we, we know what happened then did, did that moment of the full-time whistle in 2018 banish any of the the pain or hurt that you had from, from 94 and 96? Obviously, you're not directly involved, but when your county does that, does it does it at least ease some of the the bad memories? Oh, it did, because for the for the simple reason that, I suppose, when Nicky brought that off, like if Robbie O'Flynn had put that ball over the bar, we were done. Mm. No, obviously, if it's a goal, we were definitely done. But the other side of it, I suppose, was... When the last eight minutes of the final in 18, I will safely say were the worst eight minutes of my life. And you have to remember, I was there for the last in the pitch for the last five minutes of 94. It was actually worse. Um, I thought the whistle would never go. If that last ball that Joe Canning hit in went into the back of the net, I think we probably should have had, would have had to cancel Holland and Limerick forever. <laughs> Do you know what? Things were just that bad. Um, but the very minute the final whistle went, the emotion that just poured out of everybody. And I think what banished to me, and it for me banished it, was Declan Hannon's speech mm. when he said, I think the way he put it was, for all of the players and people that have gone before to get them to this point, this is for us. And I think that just absolutely banished all the bad memories. No, people like you still bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Joe, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I suppose there's, there's, what did I say, there's nothing worse than being talked about than not being talked about. So <laughs> we're, like, we're like Mrs Doyle in the media, we love the misery. Uh, exactly. I think there's a bit of that maybe, possibly. Yeah, we do love the misery a little bit. <laughs> He's a good character, Joe. Oh, Joe's a Joe's yeah. unbelievable. I love hearing those stories. Like the the old school stories are are brilliant. Is he related to Nicky Wade? Nicky's first cousin. So well, like, and both ended up as go. goalkeepers as well. Yeah, like which is which is fascinating. Nicky's obviously unbelievable what he does. Uh, Joe was interesting yesterday, and you'll get the full interview by the way up on the YouTube shortly as well. But uh, like his opinion was that if you're a good hurler, every every good hurler should try at least one season as a goalkeeper. Because he says it improves your touch, it improves your vision, even your distribution. Um, and like even I was chatting to Owen Larkin in Langton's the other day, and Owen did a year as a goalkeeper when he was under 14, maybe. Yeah. Jackie Terrell's father was the manager and threw him in as a goalkeeper. And he says one day he, he caught the ball and dropped into the goals. And he says that he went over to him, I'm never doing goals again. And he didn't. He, and he wasn't guaranteed his position outfield, the manager was telling him, but he says, I'll fight for my place. I don't want to do that ever again. Because uh, it's obviously a pressure position. Mm. But I have such respect for the likes of Joe Quaid and Nicky Quaid and these Fearless. lads who watch me the goalkeeper in an All-Ireland final like that. Because the Owen Murphy thing, those mo- moments happen. And uh, what a save by Owen Murphy. But like, if you know, if the ball trickles under your... Which it could easily happen. You know, it's, the slitter's tiny compared to a Gaelic football. So like... Anything can happen on that pitch, and the goalkeeper is the most pressurised position in any sport. But and puckouts, oh, they're important there. They're literally probably the most vital cog in the whole thing. So if they go wrong, you're probably going to lose the game. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I kind of get where Joe's coming from. That his advice to any young hurler is to try at, at least a season in goals. Yeah. See so you get on it. Not necessarily at senior That's level, a good point, but yeah. even at 12s or 14s, you'll have an appreciation for it. Because um, you have to be a bit insane. And we see the game differently. 
Yes. Yeah. You're looking at a different view, especially if you're up the pitch. You're seeing oh, the game at a total different view. Completely differently. Mm. Uh, but Joe's a character. Like that, 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 that vintage, that era. I, mean, I think Joe said even because they lost the, 90, the All Ireland final then two years later in '96, and he said that was more disappointing in some ways. But even though they had the game won in '94 before Offaly came back, '96 they had the experience of two years previous. So he said he looked with 10, 15 minutes left at, at some of his Limerick teammates, and he said the heads had dropped. And he says he remembers running out the pitch, screaming at them, going, "What are you doing?" Yeah, like we still we still have a chance here. Um, so yeah, to to go through those couple of All Ireland final defeats must have been gut-wrenching for players like Joe but yeah characters unbelievable I'll tell yeah. you who else is a character Hammy Dawson now Hammy Dawson might not be a name familiar to some people yesterday but uh, he works up in a hotel or a, a hospital in Limerick and he's the Limerick GA super fan this guy like has been he's been there for the good days and the bad days but um, St. Patrick's GA club I met him near there on the, on the same street road Hegarty lives on I met him there yesterday there's a couple of nice flags and signs outside and Hammy has a Groat Hegarty like, flag in the back window of his car. He is nuts for Limerick Ireland. But I had a chat with him yesterday, and uh, here's how some of that chat went. Try and enjoy the match. I know hopefully it's not as torturous as the last eight minutes were in 2018, but enjoy it as best you can, Hammy. Listen, Shane, I will, of course. And listen, thanks very much for coming down to speak to me today. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thrilled, to be honest, to be honest. I'm up Limerick. <laughs> up Limerick as well. And there's Groat. <laughs> The teddy bear, he comes as well. <laughs> You've got the teddy bear as well. Oh, I've the teddy bear on the boat. He'll be he'll be in Dublin as well. So I just hope the stewards are not looking for a, a seat number for him. If you know, will I will I need a, a ticket in the Hogan stand for him? Do do surely. Yeah, yeah. Limerick a boat. Limerick a boat. And look, I press the button and he sings Limerick or a lady. And the teddy bear. Brilliant. Yeah. Rest <laughs> That is what it's uh, all about, Shane. Hammy Dawson. Yeah. He says he presses a button on the on the teddy bear and it sings Limerick you're a lady. <laughs> I just like he Love is everything. It. He just he came out of the car like a serious man. He was he was wearing that lovely Limerick maroon, I think it's their third choice kit at the moment. I was like, this is a serious man. Runs around, walks around to the boot, puts on the hat, takes out the flag, <laughs> and I just see the teddy bear in the back and the gold Hegarty flag, and I'm like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if Monaghan were in the All Ireland final next week, I'd be doing the exact, I'd be stone mad. <laughs> oh, I know. Stone Shane. mad. Yeah. But like, I can imagine that, like, you as a kid watching me playing in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Finals, you yeah. just lose the head of yourself. Yeah. No, and that's great to see. That's what you want to see. You don't want to lose any of that. Oh. And you love having the flags in Crow Park. Like years ago, Brilliant. watching all the flags in Crow Park, you don't see it as much anymore. Oh. Obviously, it's tough to see as well, but like it's great to have that in, yeah. I think. So you I don't want to lose people like Hammy there. No. Brilliant to see. I, like I was a Galway fan as well. As a kid, still am, of course, because of my dad. But like used to bring Galway flags into Croker and watching all our finals and mm. Connacht finals. Used to love it. Yeah. Getting lads to sign your flag afterwards and all. It's amazing. But the only problem, the only disappointing thing about the All-Ireland this, this time around both the football and the hurling is the build-up is only two weeks mm-hmm. I love to have the three-week build-up where you can people in the counties especially can really enjoy it and, yeah. and soak it in true yeah so that, it feels I, a little bit rushed it maybe. does and even yeah. the fact that you know it's not September where the, the schools used to bring the trophies into the schools and stuff I know they're off on their summer it had to holidays. be done for a reason I do you, you don't understand the reasoning yeah, yeah. and like the lads get to have a bit of time now the girls as well they'll have time and then back to their club so you know they get the best of both so you oh. can get why, it, why why they're doing it but a little bit longer you probably had that week to maybe do the three week build up it's true. for sure it's true uh, yeah. if, if anyone wants to watch those Kilkenny chats back it was Owen Larkin Fan Larkin Joe Hennessy Eddie Kerr uh, Eamon Langton 
some great stuff from from Kilkenny, um, and also from Limerick as well. You had Eamon Cregan there, you had Joe Quaid, Hammy Dawson. You get the full chat with him, the Limerick super fan as well. All on the uh, off the ball social channels, YouTube.com forward slash off the ball for all the videos and the podcast network as well for all the podcasts. Uh, should mention the Camogie fixtures as well this weekend. So the All Ireland Camogie Senior Semi Finals taking place. Uh, tomorrow Saturday so uh, double header uh, UPMC Nolan Park half past three Waterford Tip and half past five Galway versus Cork so two crackers yeah really looking forward to this now um, Tipperary I think are the team to watch this year you know there's been a lot of strong work done there by Dennis Kelly and you can really see that this could be their year mm-hmm. like they've been there time and time again in semi-finals no more than Waterford, they were there last year as well. But I just feel there's a little bit of a rise at the minute with, with Tip, and then you look at Cork and Galway, two teams that know each other so well. It's their four; it will be their fourth time playing each other this year, twice in the league. This is their second time now in the championship. It was Galway that got the better the last three times. So yeah, the, it'll definitely be a really good game. Obviously, Cork overcoming Kilkenny in that in that uh, quarterfinal oh, yeah. by a point. So yeah, they'll take a lot from that. And maybe the two teams that had the the boy to the semi-final so Waterford and Galway mm. they're one less game they played and also the, the rest of the teams have played in Crow Park so yeah. that will stand to them as well but it'll be two cracking games a double header in Nolan Park so yeah really looking forward to them The uh, junior semi-final as well I should mention is double header in Ashburn Tip and Roscommon at 12 in Armagh Clare at 2 the intermediate semi-finals are both at FBD Semba Stadium 1 o'clock Derry Kilkenny and 3 o'clock Mead, West Mead. It's like, are you not going to mention that change? Small rivalry there. Mead and West Mead. Love yeah, to see it'd be it. brilliant. That'll be class. Just uh, to mention that the Tipperary are in the junior as well. Of so I think they just have maybe enough time if they want to leave Ashburn and get up to Kilkenny. Yeah. So it's a tough one. It's not a great situation now for the Camogie Association to have them on the same day with the the two teams in it obviously there's a lot of supporters there would like to be at both games mm. um, but look that's the way it is for some reason so yeah the, hopefully the Tipperary supporters can get up to the, the senior game and the junior game as yeah, well 100% some really good games to look forward to this weekend can't wait for those Ashley great stuff as always thanks Shane thanks a million enjoy, for that. enjoy the matches this weekend I will yeah it's going to be class and Monday's show I should mention Jer and I will have the performance rankings the reaction to the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final and of course the Open and the Golf plenty more besides as well right now though my full chat with Eamon Cregan, the one and only Limerick legend. You'll enjoy this. Have a formidable Friday, Huns, yeah? OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.